0: A word to the wise. We are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes as well as entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. This week, that would be through chapter 57. Through chapter 57 what of book? The Lost Metal by Brandon Sanderson. I said it before you did. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, this is Cross. And I'm Uncle Pet.
1: Uncle PJ, Uncle Peaches, <laughs> Uncle Patrick, I don't know what to say.
0: And we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers like. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club.
1: I am ironing out the kinks before, I get, before the child knows how to talk. Uh, <laughs> my sister gave birth yesterday, Yay! so first, first grandchild for my parents and Mm -hmm. i feel wiser i feel sillier do you i feel more corrupting
0: in some ways Ooh, true uncle vibes yep
1: yep exactly (laughs) no we're we're very excited for her very happy little dude's adorable we've been getting baby spam all all day (laughs) it's been great
0: cute that's so exciting i am excited for you and i also am so excited that i get to keep in all of those lovely lovely flubs that was a that was a fun time yep for me
1: i dropped my real name i don't know if i've done that on the show before
0: patrick (laughs) oh patrick i think we've done it i think (laughs) we did it once or twice (laughs) i think we made some patrick jokes especially back in red rising with all the irish names and whatnot Ah, that could be i think i think we might have might have clued in there but for all of the rest of you today is our fifth episode discussing the lost metal by brandon sanderson and we are going to chat about chapters 44 through 57 and pj i just have to clarify i was going to say the book name no you're right also no nope, I, I trust you. <laughs> i trust our listeners enough who click on the episode who see the chapter numbers to know what book they're reading and why do we even say it just in case <laughs> 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 it's an extra backup i don't know what you mean uh, okay habit <laughs> 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 that could that could also be an answer i don't know i'm not in charge um, yes you are cool but well we are literally in charge <laughs> yeah right but with that pj before we go too far here what are you uh, what are you drinking tonight i am not doing a cocktail tonight i am mm. just doing a beer
1: it is nice. called circular thoughts by a collaboration between Modest Brewing Company and Blackstack Brewing Company. So two pretty Mm. heavy
0: hitters in the Twin Cities area doing a a big old triple IPA. Nice, nice. That sounds very tasty. I am jealous. I have no beer in my apartment right now. So I have no following. You had that
1: problem yesterday and you haven't resolved it. I. What do you think I did all day, PJ? (laughs) Go get beer. (laughs) I don't i like 24 someone hours who
0: leaves and goes and get okay all right let's back up real quick. <laughs> i didn't have 24 hours <laughs> the store is only open from one time to another time all right like not all the time and not only that only when they're sometimes when they're open they can't sell it to you what they can't they just can't yeah the, well the alcohol sales don't start until 10 i think so oh, you can't right. buy wine and beer yeah because it's you in the same stores the as other stuff, stuff. correct i'm like <laughs> having a separated <laughs> liquor store like minnesota garbage 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 for you. Anyway, I I do want to make mention of this. I think that this is a, a good place to do it since you're having a beer today. One of the things that is going to be shifting a little bit with the upcoming series with Greenbone Saga and probably honestly going forward, one of the things that we want to try to do is also be respectful of your time in these episodes, listeners at home. And so okay well I'm (laughs) trying to be more mindful of it so like I want to try to avoid ever having to do a two-part episode like we did last week ever again for a variety of reasons but one of them being making sure that we're being respectful of your time and also like just kind of getting to the point sometimes we can be overly verbose and wordy on things but I think one of the cleanest things that we can do and we're doing this with Greenbone because there are going to be five of us all of a sudden is we're going to be just focusing on like a cocktail so we'll just be talking about one drink if anything as like a Focal point of the conversation to be like, hey, here's the featured cocktail for the episode, and everyone else may just say like, oh, I'm having a beer, I'm having this, I'm having the cocktail, but really reducing this down, I love this section, but I think if we just feature one and we just focus on one, it makes it so that you can also take that away and go make it at home and learn, you know, what you like on your own. I think I think that's a better way of of approaching yeah. it. I think so. it's
1: necessary for sure with Greenbone.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about about
1: us getting overly verbose and going on too long and talking oh, for six hours. Oh, you don't remember the
0: five hour <laughs> five hour fifteen minute recording session from last week? Because I do yeah. very distinctly.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was and our our little production meeting beforehand.
0: Like uh-huh. we were sitting in front of the computer for seven hours straight. <laughs> just about, just about, yeah. Um, May as well have been a second job, <laughs> but needless to say, I'm having kind of a spin on a Redbird, which we've had on the show a number of times. Basically, the biggest change is that I swapped out... Redbird is very Campari-forward with rum elements and Jungle pineapple Bird? thrown in. Junglebird, Bird. Sorry, I kept saying Redbird. I think I spun the Jungle Bird once into a Redbird, and I forgot what I changed in that. But, yes, spin on a Jungle Bird. I swapped the Campari... For green chartreuse and maraschino, but not equal parts, because I think it's like one and a half one ounce or one and a half ounces of campari in a jungle bird. Like it's a decent amount of campari. I only did a half ounce of maraschino, which is quite a bit, and then a quarter ounce of green chartreuse. And it is awesome. I love it. It oh, is an herby bomb, a little bit of the lemon that's in the it, it all plays together perfectly. This is a delicious cocktail.
1: Awesome. I mm-hmm. I have a problem with the jungle bird. And that is, I feel like the, the standard recipes for it don't call for enough lime. So I always double the mm-hmm. lime and then I'm really happy with it.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like you're probably right. I guess technically I did almost evenly replace the Campari. And I did swap out the lime juice for lemon juice just because it plays better with the lemon juice plays way better with green chartreuse yeah. than lime does
1: mm-hmm
0: so do you have a name for it um
1: hmm do, did you have a i mean i it has green chartreuse so like history says you have to name it with monk in the title i don't think that's, oh, true, that's true but
0: uh lots of like jungle monk i don't know i we did jungle monk once yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm calling it a pharaoh chemist's fortune, and you want to know why? Why? Because pharaoh chemists are kind of like monks. Okay, different different <laughs> monks entirely than the ones I that mean, make green churches. I feel like obligators are closer.
1: They're more like priests.
0: <laughs> I mean, that kind of kind of fits. I'm, I'm going, I'm going eastern, not western monks. Yeah. <laughs> the pharaoh chemists. There Clarification. You go. There you go. But. It's a it's a full full spin in a completely different direction. Yeah, it's solid. So, all right. All right. Before we get too far here, PJ, let's talk about the chapters. How did you feel about this week's reading? This week's reading was so fast paced.
1: Mm-hmm. It felt like so much happens, and there are so many reveals and so many cool new things. I I was just having a blast reading it. Uh, there's a couple low spots. Wayne's humor, for one, which we'll get into, felt off. But I think there are reasons for it. I don't know. Overall, very, very happy with it and just wanted to continue. <laughs> I listened to it again yeah. today. Like I, I listened to it three times yesterday and again today. I read it a couple days ago.
0: Like yeah, it's great. It's it's a damn good listen. I'll I'll tell you what. This is one of those sections though where I go. I, I think I brought this up last week because it starts last week and it continues, but this is one of those sections where I go, okay, is this a Mistborn book or is this a Cosmere book? Because we start to lose, especially through Merisi's perspective, like it it is, it becomes this almost like meeting of all of these different powers, some of which we're aware of, some of which we aren't. And some of these things kind of feel like, not like they're not, they're coming out of left field, but as though... I mean kind of they kind of feel like they're coming out of left field I would say actually. They're they're hinted at inside of the story, they're otherwise inside of the universe so it's not like it's uncanny or like problematic, but I I do have this kind of like lingering itch of other things. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I I get it, but at the same time he couldn't start a separate series title
0: with this. Well, yes that's that's not exactly what i mean like
1: you're you're trying to like figure out its
0: identity yeah exactly it feels it feels abstracted from the mistborn series in some ways because it isn't and maybe and maybe this is more telling of what what some of the storytelling is going to be going forward but it will be something where you need to be caught up on all of the stories in order to be able to cohesively enjoy the full experience that said I think that I also can't qualify whether or not you're having a good time with this book, which it appears as though you are, even though you have questions. So there is that component as well.
1: I am having a great time with it.
0: And I I get
1: where you're coming from. But at the same time, I feel like that's just kind of the way that this planet is going. It requires like this planet's ending potentially like there, there is doom on the horizon for this planet and it requires external support and i think what are you going to do when you create so many magic systems within the same universe not
0: smash them all together like no they're gonna they're gonna all get smashed together and i totally see where you're going with that it's it's to me it's less that and it's more that I didn't believe that it would come this soon to some degree. And for me, introducing it near the end of a series is what feels weird. Not that we don't get some teases and other things like that throughout the other books, but this is it all, it feels, this book feels separate in so many ways than any of the other entries from like the first three books feel like a trilogy. (laughs) to some (laughs) degree and then this book feels isn't that funny you never thought i'd say that and then now this book is the one that feels isolated which is so strange not that it's completely divorced from the things that happened before of course at all it's very connected but it does feel like it's on its own island because of like how cosmere aware i'd call it it is i wonder if that's only because you're aware
1: of what like all the all the implications
0: a lot of people got mad at me (laughs) on the internet when I didn't have you read the things that are directly connected with this book. A lot of people that I didn't force you to read them and talk we, about them beforehand on the show. Just don't And have I decided time to do that. We, we absolutely had the time to cover the couple of things okay. that we needed to before this happened. We weren't going to have to go through the Stormlight archive or something wildly insane gotcha. like that. There are things from that and there that you're not going to get or this and there that of course you're not going to get. I don't expect you to, but there are a couple of other things that you're like, why didn't you take the episode or two to do this? And I'm like, I think it's more interesting to be on the other side of this where if you don't know anything, is this still a good, a good story? You know, it's like, are the Avengers movies any good if you don't know thor you know so. Crossen got to see me shake my head halfway through that question yeah, i did I did but yeah that's that's just the concept that's just the, yeah. the yeah, thing yeah. so yeah not the end of the world one way or another but that said i i think that we can have a more comprehensive discussion about this near the end but this is the one week for me where to some degree it's like man I love, I love Rosite. I love soul stamps. I I think that they're just so intelligently written and incredibly designed and like well, well executed, but I can't help but go like, man, it would have been really cool to see like Marisy fully work this out or to like see Marisy and Reddy be the ones that are doing this or, you know, there's just this element of like new character shows up, new character solves problem, does introduce other interesting elements to the story. And I'm also not bagging on it. Let it be, let it be very clear. I just have a giant what-if in my head Mm -hmm. that I can't get my head around. Because I really like this book compared to a lot of the other books inside of all of Mistborn. But I I do have a massive what-if, which is also why it's a fun experiment with you to go in without knowing some of these things and see how that plays out on the other side. Because you're kind of answering the what-if for me a little bit.
1: Yeah, I feel like... Or spawning it. Like... Incomprehensible external evil forces require incomprehensible benevolent forces.
0: I don't know about not not, that. Not though. necessarily
1: isn't, require, but I feel like it would have been weird to introduce a car- like a, a foe that is explicitly so much stronger than anything that they have been prepared to deal with. And just say through ingenuity they would have been able to pull it off
0: yeah we you don't know the end yet so we can't That's necessarily true. cohesively you know go through this but i my my only pushback and we don't have to get into a full conversation because i don't think we truly i don't think that we can until we're at the end and i keep i keep bringing this up and then i keep being like well we can't really talk about it until we're done i've done this like two or three times now and i feel bad about it but is is the same doesn't the same thing of like beating back an incomprehensible force isn't that the entire premise of Mistborn to begin with though like the Lord ruler is this incomprehensible God as we understand it for most of the book and then they find ways to kill God well they we find then ways to understand, of course, that it isn't God
1: tapping into new powers and and finding new new abilities and and new sources of power like Everything gets ratcheted up on both sides, but mm-hmm. in in a semi-tangible way. It's not just right. my power's the same, but suddenly I'm able to take on something ten times
0: stronger. I wasn't suggesting that, but I all, all that I'm saying is from a writing standpoint, I think that you can solve this problem internally within the story. Maybe. Um, because like what it what is the end of ruin if not like ruin and harmony uh, ruin and preservation's ends like those are incomprehensible god forces that they have to overcome it's a similar thing we're introduced to the shards very last second in the hero of ages as a solution to the whole thing like
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: I mean we're we're given a ton of groundwork so I don't it's not like I think it's out of left field or anything crazy like that just to, I you know,
1: also think. Knowing, knowing that like era three is sort of nineteen seventies esque cyberpunk spy thriller. Spy thriller. Maybe, maybe the tools to create that world were required to have come from interactions with other planetary beings.
0: Maybe. Yeah i I just don't know how how rewarding that feels does that make sense Mm -hmm. from a from a world standpoint like to say the only reason we made it this far is because of that story go read that book and like how many times are we going to point fingers back and forth at things to like uh, it's it's it is a new and intriguing prospect at the level that Brandon is doing it. I know that we talked a little bit about this last week as well on the, the multiverse and like how many, not multiverse, but the, the idea of a universe of sorts yeah. and novels and how many people do that. And the answer is not that many. I mean, there are enough and there are plenty he's not the first by any means, but he is definitely pushing some, some new boundaries, new ground
1: at a certain point. Well, I guess at this point he's proven that he has the fan base to support him in his in his writing endeavors in general mm-hmm. that he doesn't really need to cater to people that are just picking up one of the series. Like he can effectively just call this entire like this entire universe a series and assume that the readers have read everything. Like he could he, he could do that if he wanted to and it seems like that's kind of the path he's going down
0: but is it a good thing to carry that much baggage behind his story that's yeah. the question how that's is he like, going to do it otherwise
1: pick. like it's it's going to start colliding it's colliding <laughs> and like at at the, this is i think what he's talking about with the gloves off comment of like i can't i can't cater to people that haven't read everything explicitly like it, it's just too much information that's
0: relevant. We need to have this conversation when we're done with the yeah, book. That's fair. I think I think that's the reality because okay. I have so much that I want to say but it so much of it hinges on things that we're close to but not through yet. But this is this is definitely a, a very interesting time to be a Brandon Sanderson fan not only because we're getting four books this year. That's crazy but also I think that this is a turning point on of course core fans will remain and continue to follow. And I think that's great, but I think that you can lose, you can very easily lose character and these different things that are critical to story by just mashing worlds together and seeing things disappear in the background of creating a universe that is real. You know, like this is a real universe. There's nothing wrong with that, but you can lose some of those critical story beats or submerge character for a cool world. And that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. That's the dangerous ground that I see treading on. Not that it's not well done here. It's just at what is, is there, I I'm much more afraid of it. Like in an, in an isolated series, you know that those characters are the only thing and there's got, there's no comet (laughs) that comes out of the sky and will fall and hit and intercede and, you know, solve the problem for you, which is, yeah. That's that's my fear, and that's part of it, so cool, well, with that, let's get into the breakdown. Let's talk about these these chapters here. We start with chapter forty four and I paragraph two of this right off the bat is just so. Good, and it, it, to me it encapsulates what living in a big city is like, right? She describes the rails, the crowded tenements were cramped up beside factories, refineries and warehouses on the shadow of the tracks, a symbol of progress and unity upon which stormed past every few minutes, a tooth-rattling reminder. Wasn't it so nice li- to live in such a modern city with a beacon of advancement like a high-speed rail? It casts such a progressive shadow. It's That's such a brilliantly well-crafted sentence, that I just cannot get it out of my head. It is, or paragraph idea thought. I I just love it, and it's it's one of those things. It's also a reflection on like gentrification and regression mm-hmm. and a lot of other things. And Marcy's perspective, you know, touches on this, which is interesting that she's kind of subsumed by this idea, but she's almost kind of grown out of it a little bit to some degree, not fully, but like she's because of the reality of her job, she's almost moved past what she aspired to be. And there's this interesting dichotomy going on clearly from her perspective of like what she aspires to be, what she sees in the world and then what she's actually doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was a it was a super like melancholy passage. Mhm. Like very sarcastic. I obviously haven't lived in a big city like that. So good to sort of I'm assuming you kind of see see what she means. Through your time in New York?
0: Oh, entirely. Totally. Like, you yeah. definitely... At, I mean, at the very least, if you want to talk about, like, All in the Shadow of the Tracks, just this idea of, like the railroads being overhead to some or the the subway being like overhead and you hear it like go rattling by and the way that that is so loud that like your teeth rattle a little bit is so accurate. And like, you know, you look at apartments, for instance, because you want to move somewhere inside of the city and you look and you you look and you find this great apartment and then you look on the map and it's right next to a railroad track. And you're like, that will ruin my life by living right next to the railroad track because it's so loud on repeat and you yeah. just don't want to be Brad Pitt in seven, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, nope. no, I don't, <laughs> I couldn't yep. do it, man, I couldn't do that, I'm sure, I'm sure at a certain point, you just kind of tune it out,
0: but, pretty much instantly, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's something you totally get used to, just like everything else, oh, do you mean like living in a place right next to it? Yeah. Oh my god, no idea, I doubt it, I doubt it, I heavily doubt it, I don't know, <laughs> I live next to an airport, and I couldn't tune that shit out all the time,
1: <laughs> fair,
0: like, <laughs> Again, there was a house that was for sale in this town that was really close to the airport and I went, dad, my dad sent it to me and I went, dad, I record audio all the time. I can't live that close to an airport. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) You should know this. He's like, oh, fair, fair point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he always had trouble with that, but yeah. Yeah, it'd be tough. That's right. They
1: were, they were right by the airport too, huh?
0: Yeah, Mm a couple of blocks from the airport. Just a, Field basically between them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I, I love the way that this opens. This is such a strong opening. But of course, while the distraction here is ongoing, the crew of Marisy Moonlight and Twinsel. By the way, the other lady stayed back, and she was the one that is clearly taking care of. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, old lady. Yeah, yeah. I had to clarify that. I had to make sure that that was said because I was like, Jesus. We talked about that a lot, and I was like, I swear to God, someone would stayed behind, and I just believed you and didn't fully double check. <laughs>
1: No, I think we, we came Uh, to conclusion last week. We talked about it. You, you, I think we, you corrected me in the, uh, I think that we made the
0: the assumption that the cab driver stayed in. Yeah, that's who it was. was, No, it's, what's her name? The, the lady with the, the or whatever the CEO. Oh yeah. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. She doesn't come with anyway. Point being, doesn't matter. The crew of the three of them, Moonlight, Mercy, and Twin Soul, continue onward. We get some interesting functionality of Aether here as well that is really unexplained but seems fascinating. Silijana feels through the walls, through Twin Soul, and it basically appears like a closet on the other side. Removing one of the soul stamps as well, Moonlight dampens it with red ink and proceeds to blend, and it proceeds to push it and blend into the wall. And then it changes almost fantastically into a door, just as she said. It would.
1: I really, really badly want to know what this process actually looks like. Like, in Brandon's head, what is the process? Because Marcy describes it simultaneously as, like, an unzipping. And, like, the door unzips within the wall. And some of it just kind of vanishes. So, like, is there motion to it? is it just like poof like i i'm i'm really curious in his head what it looks like cuz that's hard to hard to conceptualize having both of those descriptors like working together
0: I definitely agree with you. I think this gets into the idea of that window writing versus, like, I think a lot of other... I mean, truly Mistborn is the only fantasy that we've read on the podcast so far, by any means, the, the Mistborn series. And otherwise, we've read Red Rising so far, right? So we're about to dive into a completely new world that'll be very different. But this is a great example of, like, when Brandon's windowpane writing... I think does a disservice to the fantastic nature of what's happening because this is something that could be described as an unzipping is a great simple way of kind of explaining that it appears like it drags down from the stamp or up like the stamp. But then you could do things like say it folds back or the concrete folds back and back and back onto itself until it smooths out level. To reveal the open space of a door, you know, you think about like the visualization of diagonality and the way that the bricks move. That just described as like the bricks roll back is very different than the way that that's described and looks and feels. So this is one of those moments when window painting for me doesn't quite do it. Yeah, yeah, I like a little bit of purple. You know, mm-hmm. I like a lot of stoicism, though. I'm not gonna lie.
1: I feel like I'd prefer it if it was just like as soon as the stamp contacts. It's just
0: there. Just instantaneous change. Hmm? I'll tell you what. There is a story out there that'll explain this to you. But, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And you can read it, but I'm not telling you which one. But I've said that many times. I, I really, I really love the description of the use of soul stamps. I, I just, I think that it is a genius system. And it is one of those things that stood out to me as one of the most creative things within brandon sanderson's works especially as she describes it later is like you're re or before and kind of has been explaining it over the course of these weeks is you're rewriting the origin of something to be different and so it has different memories it substantiates itself differently it's existed differently it remembers different things entirely and so it acts and behaves that way and that is just such a fucking cool concept yeah like yeah yeah Ugh and we see that literally manifest in maybe the most intense way later and i can't wait to talk about it. What about the aether though? What would you would you think of regardless of the other book? Yeah. This is still different. different. It is the same thing, but it is different. Yeah, so. It, it's so versatile. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And and so cool. I I appreciated though i still don't quite understand the distinction between twin soul being able to see through it and being given information through Lajana.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. Lajana, yeah.
1: And I, am still trying to wrap my head around what's actually happening in that respect. As far as like him being able to get, is it just flavor? Is it like how he understands this process to work? Or is it actually that way? Like, I I don't know.
0: I think that this is very interesting. So I think as we talk about Slyjana, I do want to talk about the other book just as a point of reference for what I see being the biggest difference. So I'm going to insert another. But this section features spoilers from Tress and the Midnight, the Emerald Sea. Tress in the Emerald Sea? Yeah. Okay. So in Tress, Aether, and I'm not quite done yet. I'm on chapter 54 or whatever. I haven't quite had time. Ten left. The Aethers are spores, and so they're reminiscent of sort of like small manifestations of the moons basically like leaking these things down, right? We do find out over time that Tress is able to form a Luhel bond, a Luhel bond with the spores, and that bond kind of gives her some understanding of them and almost like she's kind of communicating with them. Uh, And I think that's what this manifestation is, except for I think it's more directly with wherever the primal aether or where the aether comes from. That's my understanding of it, is that it is actually like this sort of wherever Rosite actually comes from or wherever the aether originates from. That being gave like a shard of them, a portion of themselves. I don't want to use the language shard, of course, Mm -hmm. a portion of themselves and implanted it in Twin Soul. And then, and important to note too, Twin Soul is just the nickname, right? He has a first name and then a second name, and that second name is Siljana. And so it's like, it's a combination of the two people. So I, I think that that's as close as an explanation as I can get as to how it functions without having any other book literally lay it out in some way, shape, or form. Okay. But that's a lot of assumptive work to kind of get there. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that's how it works. So there's a fun little quip, too, that happens here inside of the scene between our pair of M's before we see a shocking image of a crumbling city with ash falling from the sky, projecting out in what feels like kind of a theater in the way that it's described. I don't know. the, the yeah. Not like with seats, obviously, a projection well, it, room. It, but it says that it's it lined up. Yeah, but is it? It's not like theater style seating, I guess is what I meant. There are seats lined up, but I don't know that it's like a. It, it's loosey goosey again. So I don't.
1: It's loosey goosey, you know, but it, like. My first impression of that description was like, oh, it's a theater.
0: <laughs> well, right. Yeah.
1: I can't remember if the screen came before or after the description of the seats, but like it it was described like they were lined up all facing the front in a weird fashion. Like an auditorium. It, it might have said like an auditorium. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter, truly,
0: but... Passing a strangely large number of what appeared to be chairs, yes, in rows. Yeah, I guess it's not fully described, but it is a projector that's projecting across the room. And so there there are those like chairs that are there. I I guess I do see a theater, but I, I imagine it so I don't see a theater. I see <laughs> a a gym, basically, with a series of chairs. Like a movie theater is very evocative of like steps up yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. That's not not a fair. flat plane. Yeah. It feels so more that, like that's
1: a, like an assembly hall like a town yes. hall or like yes a, which like, eh,
0: yeah that works a okay yeah. um it is it is theatrical-esque and maybe they're attached together like rows, but it is not at an incline to give people equal vantage point or viewpoint mm-hmm. um in the way that it's described so that's why I, i'd like again this is one of those things where windowpane can be great but it can also like just let your mind run in in other directions and Maybe that's the intent, but sometimes a little bit of steering isn't a bad thing either.
1: I think the other, the other aspect of that is that these are chairs that aren't immediately identifiable as chairs, but are probably chairs in Marcy's perspective. So it's like something like
0: maybe the little fold up movie theater chairs is what he's trying to get at. That, that could also be a thing and see we're we're left to interpret this, which is why I don't like it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) For the record, and because like it, she it's also described as so dark that she can't see, and so she's fumbling around for a light switch. She assumes that they're chairs. We don't even know that they're the stupid foldy chairs or not. Like we don't even have a perception of the fucking chairs. It's like, yeah, give me a little bit more. Sometimes I don't know. It's fine. It's not that big of a deal. But yeah. But I will say that the one thing, the one thing that I really like about this is the way that a lot of this kind of feels and it does feel evocative of a theater and you kind of get this horror image in your head of like that projection turned on and then you flash and you look at it and I don't know, I I love that, love that image, especially to end a section.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or a chapter rather. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. With that, let's go on to chapter 45. So, in this chapter, we get to the core of what was a cliffhanger in the last, that this has been crafted as a hoax to make people think that the world is already over. Of course, by the end of this week, we know who the hoax is aimed at, but what do you make of the general idea here from the set, as well as its execution? So, I
1: when, when Moonlight said that, mm-hmm. I wasn't on board with it entirely. Really? Right away. Okay. Like, I, I truly thought that this was going to be used as a threat. That said, that comment got my brain going. I'm like, oh, maybe it's entirely a trick and they don't actually plan on bombing anything. And this is like a propaganda machine to like, tell the people of Bilming that they've won the war before it even started. Like, that's where my brain was going after that. I hadn't mm-hmm. considered a, a subterranean city underground <laughs> hostage <laughs> refugees. Hostage refugees.
0: Yeah, that does make for a very... Like, it's it's something where you're given all of these different pieces and assembling them is so difficult. Like, putting this together beforehand, but it still feels really good. The payoff feels really great yeah. for it all. But, like, you're definitely following along and this is i think maybe fun, funny enough the longest laid and also best laid mystery of the whole series like even if we only get most of the pieces inside of this book here to like really assemble the the mystery and the clues it's still so good and a very rewarding payoff so i really dig it Me too. yeah it's it's so cool so cool we then move to the elevator scene and man The use of Rosite Aether here is just so wild and cool and fun. And I I just really like this sort of idea that he tangibly has to be connected or it starts to, you know, fall away. And the idea that he could build a ladder because he could just climb down, continue to drink water out of his backpack and build a ladder to nowhere. It kind of reminds me in its own way of like, it's kind of Minecrafty, right? Like yeah. someone has their blocks in their backpack and they're just like dropping them to drop ladders. It's very Minecrafty in that moment.
1: I was, thinking, was like, Ro- Rosite is Cosmere Lego."
2: Oh, like, <laughs> that's a great idea.
0: Is kind of how even it feels even to me. more creative with it. Yeah, I I was kind of thinking about the resource aspect of it. If that makes yeah, sense, yeah, like yeah. that's where my brain went is like the yeah. And I mean,
1: Minecraft is regularly
0: compared Video to game LEGO. Lego, yeah. Yeah, that so. makes sense. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I just really liked the image in my head this time, rereading it or listening to it. I was just imagining a guy playing Minecraft and dropping ladders beneath him the whole time and just climbing down, you know, did you, as one does.
1: Did you get the uh, little soundbite in your head of the crunch 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 as you're... <laughs>
0: digging <laughs> mining stuff <laughs> I, I did imagine that being the sound as it all crumbled like the the collapse <laughs> sound and then a little pickup noise <laughs> later yeah god we haven't I, I
1: i haven't played minecraft in eons three four five years something like that it's been a while it's definitely and been a while. even like maybe there's 20 minutes at that point and then another several years before that like <laughs>
0: I feel like, okay, so it is it is crazy to say this, right? Because COVID started almost three years ago. That's fucking nuts. We're approaching the three-year inception point of the show, and that's driving me insane in its own right. But the point at which I think we played Minecraft during COVID, or at least I did at one point with people in one of the Hunger Games mods or whatever. I don't know that you did, but I remember doing it. Okay. So I think that was my most recent time, but you're like three years ago. And I'm like three years ago. I definitely played it three years ago (laughs) in my pigeoned out New York apartment. Oh, right. Um, Yeah. You and your, your bird roommates, bird roommates. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. So with that chapter 46, Wax has a sort of flash in the tunnel, a reminder of the past that he has well left behind as he tries to escape under Entrone's mansion, and he flashes back to Bloody Tans. He quickly is able to calm this reaction, though, and leave that phantom behind before he continues onwards, just like he has in his own life everywhere else. I just, I love this moment. I think it's a fantastic reminder, especially considering how much of a kind of superhero he's feeling in this.
1: Yeah. And uh, what I appreciate about this scene the most is that we simultaneously get the, I'm too old for this and I'm getting dragged back in Mm -hmm. wax and the, I'm matured and healed and able to deal with past trauma wax, like just smashed together. And it's a really great, healthy, conversation that he has with himself i feel like
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah it is a very healthy conversation that he has with himself i really i really dig it i think it's great i think that it's it's a wonderful character reflection that just carries itself through the rest of this week too and i think in general it just speaks to the fact that like a lot of these decisions that wax is making aren't going to change him even though he is acting the part right and I think that gets back to this core idea that, like, this book, to some degree, this trilogy is Wax and wane. It's often referred to as not as Era 2, but as the Wax and Wayne grouping of books, trilogy, series, whatever you want to call it. And the first three books really focus hard on Wax. And in, in his own way, his, his thing ended before. His, his story kind of, or his growth arc, to some degree, is pre this. And this is really the culmination of that and seeing him here. It's
1: Old man Wax.
0: Yeah. It's that payoff. It's the riding off into the sunset that we're kind of seeing to some degree.
1: Mm. So not yet. No. Yeah,
0: it's great. Not yet. Not yet. We transition to meeting up with Wayne and understanding the post of the opera of how operation flaming bunny went because grandma's out of vodka or whatever it was didn't didn't have it or it's out of water or whatever or grandma's been in the vodka i think is what it was called and man it's such a funny moment between these our two leads here it's lovely here too in the bar that they meet up of course and it feels like they'd perfectly they blend in perfectly with the rest of the commotion that's going on inside the scene they slip out back and you know, continue, continue the way outward. It's just, it's great. There's so much to talk about here. But uh, speaking of, they have a shot of whiskey. So cheers. Oh, yeah. I loved this scene.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I almost wish we got to see everything go down from Wayne's perspective. But the retelling of it here is so goddamn funny that I'm a okay with not having seen it. Like, I I think it's almost better that we see it through this lens than through Wayne's own eyes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I think that it is a, it, it lends to that sort of like whimsical attitude to not see it literally and to instead hear it kind of in bits and pieces as he continues to explain it in different moments, as opposed to actually seeing it depicted. Mm -hmm. Um, It's what in an adaptation I imagine getting like shots, like clean shots of the the mansion burning down or whatever, or being on fire in different moments. And I just imagine seeing like a cat fly out the window at one point and like maybe a couple of different cues that you wouldn't really know what's going on. You don't focus on it. You just have like an abstracted shot and you see these different moments. And then at the end, hearing the story back from Wayne and him telling it, oh yeah, like I threw the cat out the window and like all this other stuff.
1: <laughs> I think you'd go... Basically like you do here, but just interstitially cut in two or three second clips of whatever he's actively talking about in that moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. What what I'm trying to say is that you don't focus on it. You just oh, like- it's just in when the background. You, when you're moving between scenes, right? Or like when like wax is underground, right? You might just see like a cat fly out of the window as it's panning down. And it's like, it's not focused on, it's just a part of the shot composition. The focus is on something else because then it's like it happened. And you're like, what the fuck is going on there while the rest of the scene is happening? And then you'd have the perspective at the end with Wayne with the two second, here's the visual, here's the visual. You just have a couple of those moments. Yeah. I think that would pay off well yeah I think so yeah but it's it's funny that this is like maybe the hardest to adapt scene and I saw it the clearest in my head like I was just <sighs> like please 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 I love this it's so it's so great and the idea of like these codename missions we talked about before was just so fun yeah all of them uh, all of, of course of them are awesome. yeah they're just it's so good it was it was nice to have the other one explained it was cool to see this one great of course, we get the calendars and letters that may potentially be useful for the implications that they would provide against Gav in Trone, as well as his schedule that gives them a place to head to. Looking at it, they can see very clearly aligning the documents, letters, and other pieces that they have to head to the lab. There's also a little fart joke tucked into the cushions of these pages as Wayne had to ask if Wax buried one in his nice leather chair in in office. <sighs>
1: So this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the show where, where something felt off about Wayne's humor and like, Mm -hmm. we know for sure he's distracted with like his mother's story in and out throughout this whole thing. But Mm -hmm. just the, like I'm willing to accept that as an answer as to why, but something didn't click as well for me about like their conversations back and forth compared to the rest of the book so far and how, like how much praise we've been giving how well Wayne has been written. This felt like a departure from that in a not good way for some reason. And like, like I said, I'm willing to admit, like I'm willing to accept him being kind of in his head as the reason but I don't know enough yet to know if that's true.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I agree with you that it. I could I can collectively chalk this one up to being in his head. Like, that is entirely where my brain is at in this moment as well. However, I did have the same inclination that it's like, the this is a great place for a Wayne joke. I mean, we also just got a Wayne joke, but this is also a solid place for a Wayne joke. But this fart joke? Like, this is not... I don't. I don't see it's a not world. In which this is funny. Like I. I can't read this and have it be funny to me. And I like fart jokes. Like I am. <sighs> I am prime audience. I'm like a juvenile adult. I get it. I am the definition of a man child. If you want to put it that way. Whatever. Whichever way you want to put it. But like. No, I don't know. And it's um, not. Even, it just didn't
1: work. It didn't work. It's not even just the content. It's also it's the their, interaction. It's yeah. their interaction. It's their back and forth. And mm-hmm. maybe that's something to dig into is like he's been s- spending so much time with Marisy and they've been clicking so well. Like, is this just showing that he has like they've kind of fallen out of the close friendship that they had? I don't think that's the case either. I'm I'm just reading so far into this and I don't think I need to
0: it's it's rash it's trying to rationalize it and i get that too because as you said that i was like hmm maybe it's him just trying to return to the old wayne and to those old bits you know pre-growth to show that like maybe he hasn't changed and maybe that's the reality is that wayne has changed and so this joke isn't funny because wayne's grown past it and he's just trying to like almost relive some glory days or something yeah um and you know it's what he knows to do, but his friend's like, come on, you know, like what? Yeah. Again, I think that's a bit of rationalizing. I don't think that there's enough context here to, to make that stand on its own reasonably. Call it headcanon, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I I can't even really call it headcanon because I actually don't believe it, but it's, it's an attempt to make believe of this make believe story, manland thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The whole like damn fancy chair bit. Like what, what are you, what are you even saying? yeah yeah as is the tone of the story though we quickly return to the to the ground in the moment of the canyon from the prologue story from wayne's mom it's interesting that he's recognizing these parallels of his earlier life and trying to make it into some larger allegory for what he feels like he deserves don't you think there's like there's something there it's just a question of like how yeah. he's tangibly grasping the story and comparing it to the story that he's in or trying to make the metaphor fit what what do you think and trying to make himself the bad guy, I think, in the metaphor as well.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that too. There, there's some very obvious, like deep sadness emanating mm-hmm. from Wayne. Like we said, he's in his head. He's mumbling things about the story, kind of, and maybe that's why the humor's off, whatever, whatever it might be. I should probably go back and reread that story. Like, see if there's a stand-in for Wayne. If it is the bad guy, or if there's some someone else, whatever, whatever it is, and see what happens to him. Because mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. the the path that he assumes they're going down. Sure. I don't sense. remember what happens in that story.
0: You're gonna put me on the spot like that. Yeah, I mean <laughs> the. The the part that I remember happening in the story is there I believe Elmancer Jack is chasing someone into a canyon and that's that's the bit that I remember or that Jack is taking something and is chasing them into the canyon.
1: I can go back and read it. It's all good.
0: Cool. All right. The chapter ends, of course, with guns starting to fire, leading us into what will eventually be our return in chapter
2: forty nine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, we go to chapter 47. We move back to Marisian team, who have made it down the service elevator ladder that has been made, this Minecraft ladder of Rosite, and they manage to dispatch two guards quickly with a charge elemental grenade to allow for them to be snuck past, sneaked past, snuck past. Something like that. The team continues to use their various magics in interesting ways to avoid being detected by the guards. I think this is a pretty wonderful moment, but there is a great conversation on its own that happens regarding the motivations of the individual Ghostbloods, as well as the organization on the whole, and their tenets. What did you think of these tenets and the motivations, as well as Meracy's reaction to them?
1: So, first of all, it is so much fun seeing all these abilities that they have at their disposal, and... and speculating on their usages but to your point as far as the tenants go i think they make sense on their own and i uh, totally especially make sense for an organization helmed by kelsier um hmm. but i really appreciated how much mercy ruminates on on the sort of secrecy aspect of it and is rightfully conflicted about what odds that puts her as a constable if she were to join this organization? Like, what, what, what are the implications of that? And could she effectively do her job and be a productive member of this organization, mutually exclusively? Mm-hmm.
0: And that does, that does become a problem, right? And something that she consistently brings up over the course of the week is this, right. like, can I do this and the law? Can I do this and follow the law? And that becomes really explicitly not the case. It's like she's, what, what'd she equate it to? Did she equate it to, God, like joining a different planet? Or like, Oh, I she I've, made some comment that really stood out to me.
1: I know what you're talking about. I can't remember. But effectively, these guys are acting as vigilantes. Like, mm-hmm. it would be starkly in opposition to her station as a detective and as a constable to the law, effectively. Like, truly, it's a tough one.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: I think the fact that she's considering it at all shows that she's been shaped by this job. Like, I don't think mercy of the alloy of law would have considered it given how, how strict she was about like how, how scholarly, like, like she, she approached it in a very scholarly way. She was a student. Yeah. Yeah. At the yeah, time. So, exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the law wasn't something to be played with. It wasn't as loosey goosey as kind of a, mm-hmm. they treat it, the ghost treat it. Right. Just real quick. It is, a, it is like swearing allegiance to another country, not another planet. Gotcha. That's what she says. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that that's a massive deal, and her reaction here is is critical to look at because it does really paint this picture of, like, A, Merizy's changes. I don't know that we would I, – I think that it's growth in a lot of ways, but it's the this question of how far will you bend, you know, how far is too far, where where do your morals – you know, not that I think that the Ghostbult's are bad people in, in this capacity, but it definitely brings conflicts in where she can't share with Wax and other people that she's – made mention of and it is truly like switching full-blown allegiances yeah yeah it's super so super conflicting yeah the powers are very cool though i did want to bring bring it back to that the the powers in this moment are very cool and that's what leads into this conversation is like her being like you two are incredibly useful Mm -hmm. so yeah so the Group eventually stumbles into a building built underground here, and there being a path between them, as this is all very strange, and the underground begins to kind of open up. Inside, we overhear a conversation with Gave, Introne, and a scientist whom is referred to affectionately, maybe, as Labcoat. (laughs) I think it was last week where we had discussed the possibility of spikes derived in other fashions, or maybe I had hinted it. I don't know that we had discussed it, but I had made some very loose assertion around this and you were like no they have to kill someone and i was like yeah they do and i some some loosey-goosey fashion of responding mm-hmm. to you um but this this is fascinating of course is they found another way to extract the essence of people to gradually make a spike what do you think
1: so uh, first of all i think if i remember correctly lab coat was just just the like Descriptor that Marcy is using to describe who's talking. I don't think that's said as the name of the character in conversation.
0: No, I I know that it's not the name. That's why I said okay. affectionately, not I really. Did, like mean, it's it's, it's just, not used in con- conversation. It's yeah. just it's an identifier to yeah. not say the scientist.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, right.
1: but there is a shot here that Entron takes. So, cheers. It's very quick, but it happened. Mm-hmm. There is a ton of information that we get from this conversation. There's the first mention of the golden-skinned, red-eyed people waiting in the wings. That um, comes up a couple chapters from now more explicitly, but like that happens. As far as this alternative way of producing spikes, I'm not sure if it's more or less fucked. Than the current conventional method. Because it feels like on its face. It could be a lot more humane. It could be sustainable. And not involve murdering people. But at the same time. This feels like. It's going to be used by imprisoning. And like farming. People. For spice. Still. So like. That feels more fucked. Than just killing them for a spike.
0: Yeah, there's there's something to be said about this. I I do I do agree with you. There's something to be said about this in a couple of different contexts, right? One, there's the we we don't know what the side effects are of people losing their preservation here that's being stolen by using the spike in this that's way, true. right? Like what what's the side effect? At the same time, this also leaves me with a distinct sort of image in my head that mirrors Drabs in Warbreaker yeah I was gonna and the way that, that they're too. left without kind of their their spirit and their soul in other ways and the way that they kind of give that up willingly and that's a completely different thing like your your essence cannot be stolen from any anyone else unlike this, which it can be taken from you so yeah there's this is f- fucked in could a lot of they, ways
1: at all like could they commune with harmony what do you what do you mean could the, could these people if they had a heemorgic spike but have this portion of their soul severed from them, could they commune with harmony at all? Mm, And if not, is that the method by which they're able to spike themselves more without detection?
0: Not explicitly mentioned, although that does make some sense to me. I I think that that makes sense. It it wouldn't be commune with harmony though. It would be harmony talking to you in our understanding of things like, preservation... Let's split it into sides, just so that we're clear on communication. Yeah. Preservation listens, harmony speaks, right? Yep. Or can, you know, just in general. That's sort of the way that that is approached. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that that's an interesting point. I still feel like it's tied to Trillium in some way, perhaps, but...
1: Yeah. A lot of questions.
0: Yeah. Lots of questions. That's interesting, though. I I hadn't considered, like, the... I've thought about like the long-term consequence, but I hadn't really thought about the magical consequences and sort of the downstream effect of stripping the preservation out of people in this fashion. So, mm. And it's literally, I mean, we have to remember that hemalurgy is an art of stealing one's soul. And so does that mean potentially that when these people die, they've lost that chunk of their soul and so they go impartially into the third realm or like whatever, the spirit realm or what have you? Or like, what's that look like? It becomes a real complex question. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to learn here yet, I think. Mm-hmm. And as we learn throughout this entire week, there's so much more to learn about the complications of Alamancy beyond this. So, but a lot of that True. we have yet to get to. It also gives us a lens in Entrone's view of the set and what he thinks of the bomb and impressing autonomy to potentially win his own place as Trell instead of Telson. What do you think of this whole side of things as well?
1: This man this way of is kind
0: of taking over Ed Warren. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. But this man is touched by power madness, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I felt like this the end of this conversation rang mm-hmm. kind of ironic to me, in that it's being overheard by the Ghostbuds, and they seemingly invoke a Kelsier sort of thing. They like end the conversation with we survive said back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh I just found that ironic. And
0: yeah, I think you'd call funny. that like a survivorism, maybe? Like
1: Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Kelsier you, would approve for the most part. No.
0: For sure. <laughs> for sure. Having his name used in this way and is is kind of what he stands for. I, I think that this is one of the things to Just think about the book at large, right? This is a really interesting concept. We had mentioned, I think it was last week when we met Kelsier, that this is, in some ways, meeting her, like, this is Marisi meeting her god, right, to some degree? Yeah. Um, At the same time, or her god, the founder of the religion, not really a god, a person, you know, whichever way you want to look at it. At the same time, Wax has also met his god inside of his religion, of whom they knew to be real, of course, because of the texts and everything else that genuinely exist and the way the planet was shaped and all kinds of things they've got textual proof and actual proof but this book is almost devoid of religion by comparison to the other ones and some of those religious sort of aspects and proponents do you think that that is perhaps because of this i mean we merit that's interesting because we don't get it until right around the halfway point to some degree for her or do you think that that's just kind of it's something that the first trilogy of books focused on, and this fourth addendum doesn't. Well,
1: we also don't really interact with really much of the populace. Mm-hmm. All of the characters are either like in a cult to a different god, or True. aren't particularly actively religious to begin with.
0: Sure, but they were more religious before.
1: Yeah, we saw that struggle with 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 wax wax. Yeah, so that's kind of followed the progression that we would have expected it to. Maracy, I mean, she was religious, I guess, but it was never really a defining part of her. Like it, she brought it up every once in a while, but it wasn't like it was a. F-
0: yeah, I, constant. I think it's even it's even explicitly mentioned in this book that it wasn't. You know, it it wasn't something that Serus was more religious than she was. Hmm. I'm just even talking from a textual perspective. It's that has almost become full backdrop in this story. Weird. Yeah,
1: I agree. But given the content, I think the populist explanation makes sense. sense. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And obviously, Wax taking the backseat. You know, I mean, Wax and religion and sort of that fight resolved, right? And so now he is being the arm of his god, as it were. So. Anyway, I totally agree with you on the irony of the "Kelsier survive bit and sort of the way that that's used as a a co-chant or like a sign off, almost like a salute. I don't know. I hate it <laughs> for many reasons. I hate it, but Amirisi decides that the right thing to do is to help these prisoners and that she's willing to risk it versus the objectives of the Ghostbloods, given how few guards there are in this moment and standing her ground being worthwhile to her own cause.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have expected anything Less from Marisy.
0: Yeah. What, what the fuck <laughs> else is Marissa going to do? All right. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course she's going to talk these folks into it. So we go to chapter 48, we go to our only Steris chapter of the week, which is fun, of course. I wanted to include, you know, kind of last week so that we would have kind of something to go over this week, right? So there's a consideration to break this these episodes up just a little bit differently. And it would have been like putting that final Steris one at the beginning of this week and not contemplating what that decision really means because it would have been resolved right away. But I love that we kind of ended on that kind of note mm-hmm. um, or ended with that note in mind, I should say. From from last week, and we get to kind of see that resolve here. As Steris is worried about the members of this the member of the set here that is trying to take off, Lady G. I forget her name specifically. As it like these spells doom for everyone in the room, and just a wonderful metaphor of the rats getting out of the fire first because they're low to the ground and get the heat. Like, oh, yeah. Steris, you're you're after my heart. It's so good.
1: I love how distinct her humor is, particularly in this book, but mm-hmm. in general. Brandon does a great job of putting himself into the heads of the characters and giving them unique senses of humor and hers is very distinct I'd say like it's very dry but
0: very funny. Mhm. Yeah. It works perfectly. Lady Gardra by the way. Gardra is the, is the name. Gardra. Yeah. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's just a It's a lovely it's a lovely scene in its own right. It's a great metaphor to start it off, and then of course, shortly thereafter a arrives with the bands, and then we also have the the one guy that's going that arrives to give her the note, right? To say like, hey, you should take off. It's like, aha, there it is. It's a it's a fun, you know, turn moment for her, and it definitely shows stereo premeditatia memorum mindset of like always being aware of what the next thing that's going to happen. And you could almost see this being annoying if this was your lead, because it would always just predict predict the next like, thing that's going to happen. Not always. She's surprised by some things. But it's it's great in these potent doses, I would say. Yeah,
1: yeah I totally agree.
0: Mm-hmm. But we get the bands showing up with Tensoon, arriving having fetched them. It's great that the governor picks them up, of course, and we find them to be empty. Tensoon also wonders aloud to Marcy about another thing, about the potential for the bands to be used to teleport large objects' distances using... All of the powers, some of the powers, some form of the compounding of the powers. We really don't get an explanation, but this is fascinating. What do you think of kind of this combination of A, the powers being all depleted before they show up here, versus they seem to have some left before, and B, this little note about teleportation that Tensoon just decides to drop here?
1: Yeah, there's something fucky. And I know I've been saying that about a lot of things in this book and in, in this series in general, but there's something definitely like shady going on. As far as the teleportation thing, could that be utilizing metals that they're not familiar with? Yeah, the other god metals, if they have access to that within the bands. I don't I don't know great distances or large dist Yeah, large distances. Is that, like, relative to this planet or is relative to the universe, like, is it going to other planets? There there is so much possibility with so little focus that I have no idea where to go on this one.
0: Mm -hmm. There's there's another side to it, too, of, like, could the Mistborn in Era 1 pull this off? Is there something that's necessary about the bands to have done this? And the Mistborn just looked at their powers so independently of each other that they didn't really combine them that often or, like, try to in meaningful ways, you know?
1: Right. That's fair. That'd be interesting. Assuming. Yeah. Assuming it's not a separate metal or a separate power, but a blending.
0: Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's using a. I, I think the specific word that makes me think that is that he says using a conflux of metal-born powers. He also says metal-born, so that's an important clarification because it could require ferrochemy in there in order to make it work or something like that. Could that's require hemology. Hemorr-
1: is that is metal-born?
0: Well, it's still stealing a Metalborn's ability, and it does give you nuanced control over certain things. So I would still call it a Metalborn capability, okay. even though it isn't something you're born with, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Um, it also it also gets a little wonky now, though, because it's not, it's not quite the same now that we know that you can build a spike out of people, right? It doesn't need to be a Metalborn. So now it's a little bit different as mm-hmm.
1: well. Potentially what, build a spike out of people. They haven't been able to truly like get it to mm-hmm. do anything
0: right. Attenuating whatever that power is that they're stealing is its own thing. And then like what metal are you using to capture the power to begin with? And there, there's all kinds of things that yield questions about the the system and where things go. Right. So yeah. All right. But what about the bands being depleted of power? You didn't even talk about that at all.
1: I, I know. Cause <laughs> what the fuck? Um, yeah. I think Admiral Dahl, the, the way that he jumped on this and was prepared, knew that they'd be depleted somehow. So either mm. he has outside information or he is the reason why they're depleted, directly or indirectly. They've been used or leached, or something. There's a mole in the Chondra people somehow, maybe. That would make sense, like if, if one of the Chondra has been compromised. I don't know.
0: It does. It, that definitely does go in conspiracy brain with you. That definitely does play into the idea of him, the, the change out of the ambassador from the Malwish being kind of random or feeling random, right? If there's some sort of other intent or other understanding that this is used in some way, that gives an entirely different perspective. Yeah. Perhaps a secret history, too, will give us an explanation as to why these are empty. But one can he only also
1: assume. has to know, like... There has to be a secret way of refilling them somehow. Otherwise, you wouldn't give a shit about taking them.
0: Oh, yeah. I would assume that you could refill them with just the 16 different types of allomancers burning and store Potentially. But, I mean, my assumption is is that it works the same as the other metal mines or the other medallions, whichever way you want to put them.
1: Or at the very, even if they can't refill it, if they can just reverse engineer it to a certain mm-hmm. Extent.
0: Well, I'm sure. I'm sure that's what they're trying to do is reverse engineering it more than mm-hmm. anything else because they hadn't seen something like this before, and so yeah, and they know how to build those things to begin with. They just don't know how to go more than three or four. I can't remember where the break. I think, I it's think three. I don't, I don't three think anybody's
1: successfully done four. I think that was yeah. the cutoff.
0: Yeah, because I think it matched the number of spikes to take over someone, if I remember correctly. So, like, in my head, those are parallels. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Steris, of course, has a plan to evacuate everyone. And I, I really love this moment where it's presented as everyone starts to flee like rats on a sinking ship. And that even Dahl is willing to offer everyone a way out by offering the ship out, as he had recommended. He's like, I can take everyone on here and we can leave and survive. Reddy says something about the letter, of course, that's like, don't doubt Shot, which I think is important. It's great that Reddy believes in him now, especially considering that long path and journey that he'd taken from book one of like not really respecting this guy to now having this full-blown respect. But I, I love this excellent change that happens in Varlence as he wants to stay behind with Staris to try to save the people. And that's such... A wonderful shift from where I assumed the character was going. Did you have that same sort of experience? Yeah. What was what was that like?
1: Yeah, I really didn't expect this turn. It's, mm-hmm. Welcome change of character, but was not on my radar of a possibility, even.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. It was not something that I'd considered. I mean, Adda Wathman's still exactly who you thought she was, mostly outside of maybe not being a set member, but it's like varlant staying behind and you know like the war hero that he's proclaimed to be fights for his people right it's pretty sweet it yeah. is pretty sweet it's a it's a great moment did you have any other thoughts on the the rest of that with the ready and the like
1: i mean it, it's fun to see him idolizing wax a little bit in a small way Yeah,
0: kind of recanting his previous stuff effectively and
1: yeah yeah, yeah. But
0: other than that... It's it's interesting.
1: nothing, Nothing in particular.
0: Nothing substantial, sure. All right. With that, we go back to chapter 49. We move back to Wax and Wayne, and there isn't any cover except for himself and Wayne jumps in front and stops a bullet for wax and they take cover shortly thereafter as the rain of bullets come down on them. He's able to store up a lot of healing while partnered with Marisy over the case of shape of time and learn to shape his time bubbles very specifically. This is kind of an important thing where he's begun to be able to form these. We've seen some of them earlier, but this is a, a more specific example but he also isn't trained as hard as not wayne has in this moment wax reminds him that not wax is leeching and pulsing as well as drowman and they plan to see if they can throw dumod out of wayne's speed bubble and attack the time bubble spans the tunnel and each doppelganger keeps their match busy what do you think about this also interesting fact wasn't dumod the was dumod the guy that made it was it earlier in this story or was it in bands it was earlier in this story, right? The the Duralman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in this story. Never mind. Yep, yep.
1: It's the same yep, guy. Yep.
0: He just Yeah, same guy. I forgot which book it happened in, that was my thing. But
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. This whole fight is wonderful. There's great banter between Wayne and not Wayne. Fucking infuriating. I can imagine mm-hmm. from Wayne's perspective. Obviously. Yeah. But I I found it super fun in the audiobook to go like hear the slight accent changes and, and really the this scene came to life through Michael Kramer more than anything else.
0: I definitely agree with you. I think that textually the scene doesn't resonate nearly as much as it does in audiobook format. I think that the just that subtle narration of like the difference between the oi she said in an exaggerated parody of his accent, that's cheating. That's cheating. Like that's just feel feels so substantially different in Kramer's very capable lungs so yeah 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 i agree capable lungs capable lungs but it is a wonderful you got fight. a I good mean, set
1: of lungs on you michael you
0: got you got a great set of lungs Michael. it's really really nice but Dumod, of course also pairing off against wax is just awesome to see i love that mm-hmm. we're in wayne's perspective again here and it's it's just great what do you make of the fight that happens between these doppelgangers and their counterparts though and how about that Hemler just gun bullet to the head at the end of this to just put down the not wayne yeah just
1: gonna put my conspiracy theory hat Back on again. Like, there, there's... Mm. I don't know if it even deserves the hat. Like, it feels like there's something way more than just allergy going on here. Like, it, it feels... Sure. Too insane. I don't know. Oh! I think this is the section that it also talks about how Wayne has his metal mines embedded in his thigh. And wasn't there, like, a problem with embedded... Metal mines and, like, the Lord Ruler was the exception to that. But it's potential that those were actually hemorrhagic spikes and not actually metal mines. Like, I-, I thought they couldn't be used when embedded.
0: No, specifically they can be because even says it uses embedded... Right. Mines, yeah. When his, when his breaks, right, in the moment he has to fight back against Marsh.
1: You can't push on... Anything that pierces Or not Marsh skin.
0: when he's fighting with Marsh, I think. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, you can't push on anything that pierces skin, except for you can with Duralmin. That's right. That's what we find out. And that's how she does it as well, but she's fueled by the mists and she doesn't realize that she's doing that, so.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, that could be what's going on against Wayne later on, or maybe that's here, where he's talking about the coins.
0: I think that is what what happens, or what how that's explained is that it is Duraliman that's kind of lending that ability to like push on what's embedded in him. Okay, I think that's later, but yeah, sounds good. Needless, I, I think that that is exactly what's happening. Is it's Duraliman mm-hmm. feeling that. that? And Dumod constantly refreshing with his flask as well. So drink, cheers, cheers. Yeah, it's, but the it's the bullet to the and head is the bullet. fucking
1: insane. Yeah. And unclear whether or not she survives, right?
0: Yeah, it's not made evidently clear. Yeah. I mean, what do you assume?
1: I assume she did.
0: She but did survive? It almost yeah. said, like you said, she did. Like, oh,
1: no, no, no. I, she, I assume she, she survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: As much as I'd love for that to be her end. Right. I don't think that's the
0: case. Not quite there. Not quite there. Yeah. I do agree with you. I, I definitely feel like that is... The, the gun itself just feels so cool and the way that, that it executes the shot is just, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. After, after my hat, you know?
1: And the sort of misdirection and the teamwork that went along with it where Wayne keeps him distracted and drops the speed bubble...
0: To allow mm-hmm.
1: Wax to sneak up behind him this is genius. And like
0: get that clean shot. Yeah. It's such, this is such an excellent scene. This is one that I want to see adapted so badly because this one would be great. Mm. Especially as the pairs fight, fight off against each other. So the pair of course, though, retreat through the street gate after having, blown apart the head of not wayne and they take a breather here wax asks to speak with wayne about how he's really doing wayne shrugs him off and says that he needed to get ready for the next part of the story his mom had told him about the night before she died so the next part of the story that we we wander our way into is thinking about the prologue, right? So they talk about the next part being like the canyon, the sort of low point in the way that they kind of go through, it. and then the next part is facing off against a million snakes in this this big way before Jack makes it on to, to the other side of the Lone Mesa where, you know, there, there's a face off to be. So it seems as though this is setting up this idea that the next section is going to be all of the snakes. So it's going to be all of the potentially the men. I mean, what parallels no, do you see? Uh,
1: he talks about snakes in this section. Yes. He's the snake. Not Wayne <laughs> is the snake. Yeah. Not Wayne mind. is the snake.
0: Right. Right. It all, it all fits together though, as like the hissing and blubbering. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that it's not like they're out of the Canyon. Right. I'm pretty sure that's just that they need to get ready for the next part of the story. Not that they're fully Which out would of the, be canyon
1: the or anything face like off. If that's, tracking
0: yeah if you think that's what's happening next here's the thing I don't think we're through the snakes I think that he's just saying that we should be preparing for the face-off especially because we have more snakes this week yet we're not done yet with with the action scenes between the two of them so it's almost like he's looking ahead to it and thinking about the fact that the end is coming but it's not there yet gotcha that makes sense. Does that make sense yeah, yeah. not that I think not Wayne is also a snake for the record I think that that is absolutely that fits the sort of parable of marching alongside this prologue. Mm-hmm. Also, I hope everyone is really impressed at how quickly we read the prologue. So, with that, let's go into chapter 50. We move back to the warehouse tunnels with Marisy attempting to catch everyone off guard here, and failing to manage the scene as perfectly as she can. Moonlight is overwhelmed by the one guard that she was supposed to take out on her own, and so Marisy is forced to shoot the guard, revealing their location to everyone underground. Moonlight, while very capable and very smart and intelligent, is clearly not the best slash most capable fighter. God, Damn it, moonlight. You had one job. You fucked it up. Murder a man. Murder Your a man. Your job is to murder
1: a man. Make make someone unalive,
0: just real quick. Just do it. You can do it. We believe in you. You hear me? We you believe. Yeah, no. It's a uh, it's it's a whole it's a whole scene for sure and it does it does force a lot of hands for the rest of this part we we kind of deal with the consequences of what this means is splitting this off to make it really a moment with mercy more than anything else by the end of this week but we aren't quite there yet while they do manage to dispatch the guards the the scientists in the room begin to burning the notes but moonlight does manage to save some of them from burning even though they're incomplete she's pretty confident that she should be able to get them back with a soul stamp which sounds crazy that she can rewind something that's destroyed. They also freed captives here, and one of them is one of the missing editors that has been talked about in the broadsheets, captured and used for experiments, so Hmm. it seems. Hot damn, paying attention to those little things and the details on the editorial staff paid off after all, PJ. What'd you you make of this kind of middle section of the chapter, the scientists Um, and the broadsheets?
1: So, I thought it was interesting that she'll be able to bring back these books with a soul stamp um mm-hmm. because Maracy was able to save the bindings basically from burning but like all the contents actually gone. Mhm. Which goes against a lot of like na- like traditional restorative magic systems, not that that means anything here. And it actually makes sense. I I am so glad that we've read this in the order that we have. And that we've come through this progression in in this story, because I feel like this would have been a a more difficult system to for me to buy into without having the broader broader understanding of identity and mm. like its rooted nature of things. I know I've brought up this this sort of topic before, but like mm-hmm. truly. Had I gone into this blind without that understanding, I feel like this would have just not fit with this sort of hard magic system that's been presented throughout the rest of the books.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely think you're right. I think that this is one of those things, too, that this is one of those notes where it's it's also something where this useful experiment to me of not giving you everything or like not forcing you to read everything is fascinating at this time because i know exactly how these things function once again to reiterate and it's great to hear that this is enough substantially for you to to go along to buy into this idea and to have enough explanation of identity between elantris and warbreaker and also secret history and some of the other components that have been laid out over time to paint this picture clearly because that's something you know genuinely when stuff like this kind of gets brought up out of left field is kind of a concern but he's done a really good job i think of setting the scene if you've read enough components right yeah otherwise we'd kind of be like mercy being like this is basically magic right yep <laughs> pretty much <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's it's worth pointing out I do want to mention obviously I reference the fact that this is the editor this is the editor of the two seasons but it is not the only editor that is missing so the other editor that's spoken about a couple of times is Kindlip Tirine and so there there is more than one editor missing because this is yeah. pure from mod or something like that so it does it does flip anyway just want to make mention of that
1: yeah and
0: just to make sure
1: that's a that's a curious profession to be uh, siphoning multiple people away from.
0: Well exactly, it's controlling the narrative in a big way, right? Mm-hmm. Like taking those people away is another way of removing, <laughs> funny enough, I I feel like that's removing autonomy in its own way in the voices and it also speaks to like silencing the like we these we've agreed generally speaking that these papers aren't a good thing for the society at large. I but think at it's the same the best time thing that could have happened at the same time, it's not <laughs> something you should do to people, a never acceptable. and then what about like B dogs? worse has been done to dogs <laughs> in this series. I'll just say that. Vin literally murdered a dog. side note, I wonder if they'll they'll adapt that differently. I it assume to so him. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine. I have no problem eating the dog. I do have qualms with murdering the dog.
1: I wonder. I I wonder how they do that. Maybe just I genuinely find a find a roadkill dog. No, because he's got to be strong too, right? Like he's got to be a strong dog. You can't be strong. Roadkill's only weak dogs.
0: Well, wow, that's not what I mean. It just meant that. Like I feel like you you have to find another way around this, where it's it's killed for some reason, maybe in combat or maybe something else, and then the in combat. Is- <laughs> Well, like, the dog is fighting get, as a you're part of show something. you a dog like fighting a,
1: scene? <laughs>
0: <laughs> dogs fighting each other, a dog fighting, like, a person. Like, fighting for, like, a home or something like that. And then Vin shows up and it's been killed by someone, like, an Inquisitor or maybe an Obligator. I don't know. I feel like you'll have to spin it very differently. Obligators going around well.
1: killing puppy dogs. That's a brutal twist of the knife for the final Empire. Well,
0: they're, the Obligators are going to the homes, maybe, and taking the, you know the mistings out right and they have a dog and the dog attacks because everyone shouts scream and then kills the dog and then vin shows up and kills the obligator and then realizes that goo boy could be a dog and takes the dog you're, 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 <laughs> you don't get the bury boy. your dog. this i eat this <laughs> dog I, bones I, I don't need to think of a good way to do this, but that is now the only way that I want this to happen. <laughs> it's the only option. <laughs> That's it. Hey, also, goo boy! He must be called goo boy. He <laughs> must. But then there's an update on these specialized troops that could all be pouring through this portal and coming through Shadesmar and how autonomy seems to be able to potentially create portals wholly unexpectedly, which provides us with a second wrinkle in this whole fiasco this is quickly brought up i think in the next chapter or chapter later as well but i think you can put together the wrinkle you maris you should have put together the wrinkle at this point but she gets specific about it later for some reason um even if wax and wayne do manage to pull off stopping the bomb they may still be affected by the army of golden red marching through the portals so there is this other problem here potentially
1: that's a that's pretty big oh I'd say. It is a pretty big one. I, I, I don't know how to deal with that one. Portals an existing magic system within the universe? Or is that new? Can I know or should I just shut up and not ask you questions about outside of this
0: series? I well, I think they're referred to very specifically. So portals are in the series. We know that portals are in this series. We know they are. We've heard them referred to as perpendicularities. Ah, um, right. Yep. Right. And we know that the perpendicularity on this world is far to the south and carefully controlled as far as we've heard. That's the only context that we have on it at present which we just got from Moonlight in this chapter. She refers to perpendicularity and uses it interchangeably with the term portal. One assumes that what this means is that it's a perpendicularity, not a separate magic system. But there is a question of, wait, the perpendicularities as we knew and understood them is that they were where the bodies of these gods were to some degree, how would autonomy's body have gotten here to create a port Like, or the power? It was a manifestation, right? Like the, the well of Ascension and the minds of the pits of Hatson, right? Where the two perpendicularities potentially were the sources that could have been. So hmm. an old God mean, uh, sure. Same age though. All the odds are old. Kind of, I no, guess I, says I, it's kind of the youngest God, isn't he?
1: Says it's a young god. I think there's the the older god. Autonomy. No, nope. the older god. Who they killed?
0: Oh, Andelnasium. Yeah,
1: yeah. Maybe this is this Adel-Nasium. was his. This was
0: kingdom. Maybe. Who knows? We don't know. Yeah. Again, I want to bring it back to. Didn't they say that they created the planet? Didn't ruin and preservation create the planet? They did, but I'm ignoring that okay got it got it got it got it cool 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 cool. we all right with that we go into chapter 51 the group our trio here is quickly ambushed by guards with twin soul forms a shield wall around them asking for a jar of door to fuel his creation and fuel it he does he goes from creating this barricade that kind of keeps them protected to making himself into a massive suit of armor after offering an opportunity for peace to the folks, he just begins absolutely stomping these guards using the power of Silijana, saying that he is responsible, saying that he will be responsible for helping the others make their way to safety. What'd you make of our Ether Boy doing his thing? What a guy. What a guy. He's <laughs> Twin
1: Souls, so fucking cool. Uh, Twin Souls. So cool. And the power of the door is just stunning in this moment. Mm-hmm. Like, really seeing what it what power it can bring forward compared to like their normal source, I guess. It's just awesome.
0: It's raw. Mm-hmm. It is fascinating. I, I think the other thing that it really kind of paints as a picture is that it is also kind of just a... It is really just investiture in a big way, right? Like this, the power of the door, absolutely, you're totally correct, but also in the way that it's utilized here is really just like pure investiture and what Mm -hmm. that really means and yields. I mean, this feels like something ripped straight out of Avatar The Last Airbender out of the so is it, I don't, again, I, I always, I always do these references, right? And I'm like, mumble uh, mumble mumble. say the thing, say the thing, say the thing. But there, <laughs> it reminds me very much of the armor that Toph wears in the very final episode that she rips up from the ground and wraps herself in as a metal bender, as this new metal bender. It's very cool. It's a very cool moment. And it reminds me explicitly of, of this. So yeah, I really dig that. Kind of imagine it similar, but it's like a behemoth. It's really big. Like it's. I don't know. I like it. I like it a lot.
1: I like it too. Do you? Yeah.
0: Do you? Yeah. Maris and Moonlight continue on their way though, marching through the corridor, searching for a potential perpendicularity and find a sign that points to the community and begins to continue to head in that direction. As they make their way further and further, there's sounds that follow them down the tunnel. And it's not as though we don't know what these are because we've read further than this, but who, boy, is that not a nice little spooky moment to end the chapter on. Fucking yikes. Oh, Oh no. Fucking yikes. Fucking yikes, bro. Cool. With that we move into chapter 52 this chapter man as we move back to wax and Wayne, is just fucking wild like we go through all of that really intense stuff down in the depths and then we cut back up to the above ground tension here that's happening and i just love the way that wax truly uses his twin board capabilities to almost shove this entire fucking house over (laughs) as he's like just absolutely throwing everything against it it's it's great dropping all of his weight right or dropping a decent amount of his weight to provide a lot of the force for that he finds that the house of course to be a lab and stripped clean while he goes and investigates the trucks and he just takes off after them ripping down and tearing down the streets dodging aluminum bullets along the way as they're shooting at him while he's chasing after these trucks and not only does this does he feel like a bullet in flight as he's described in the section but this whole fucking section does like this is an electrically written action yeah. scene what do you the, make of the chase what do you make the of this scene
1: war? was blazing fast yeah. Um, I, I love it though. <laughs> like his thought process in it, giving motivations and like actions and reasoning and decision making like everything he gives you ev- like an entire stream of consciousness and it, like, I just, I find it very cool. I love these scenes these action scenes from branderson i know i we've had our conversations about about it but i like this is my favorite parts of these books
0: <laughs> i i know that i just summarized it in like great you know i i made a great summary of a giant portion of this chapter which is one of the longest chapters that we read this week but in reality that's what it is it's a brilliantly written action scene throughout into like trying to break it down beat by beat is just wouldn't wouldn't do, wouldn't it, justice. do it justice it's no. it's 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 fairly self-explanatory. There's not a whole lot of character expression. It's just action. And so it just feels right in in a yeah. lot of ways. Feels great. It does. And we we quickly find out that one of the trucks is a decoy and he makes it out, obviously, that there are more in the fold that are intended as decoys as well. He finds eventually and lands on the fourth truck, not physically landing on it, but he does find the fourth truck and realize that it's that. Zeroing in on that correct truck and drops all of his stored weight, landing in front of it into the metal mines and launches the final truck right back into a liquor store, much to Wayne's Perhaps Wayne's chagrin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what would you think of this moment? This evoked like Superman
1: vibes for me. And like he's flying around and he's stopping trucks dead in their tracks. Like what are, What do you want me to get out of this? <laughs> I think that makes sense. But more so even than like Ellen and Vin and Kelsier did as Mistborn, which we can't like not constantly, but regularly referred to as like Superman and like reckoning with the Superman problem going into this series. Mm. This feels explicitly like Superman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not only does it feel like Superman, but after you said that the only thing that I can picture in my head is the Superman punching the truck from the like early that like iconic image. exactly. And if it, if this isn't produced in film or TV or whatever to look almost the same without him actually touching the truck. I will be angry because this is definitely an homage. There's no way it's There's not. There's no way it's not. Um, the only side of this that isn't an homage is the fact that it does flip over him into the building <laughs> but oh, yeah. with a bomb in it, no lesser what we assume <laughs> to be a bomb in it. <laughs> it ends up not being, but of course that is your genuine curiosity. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That would have been rough.
0: <laughs> that would have been real rough. <laughs> Would've been really bad for the liquor store. You know what I mean? I mean and the guy inside.
1: And how, how many, how many mile radius? <laughs>
0: fair point. Fair point. <laughs> good. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the city. Wex Wax drops. Flips the truck. Nukes the city. Bakes the underground. Likely because of the nuke collapsing all of the tunnels. And then autonomy can't invade because of the perpendicular perpendicularity is covered too yeah everything's then, taken care of we just then lost wax all goes of our home garments. and
1: plays with the kid and everything's cool. no, wax
0: died because he's well, right next to the bomb not allowed <laughs> what <do you> mean? <laughs> if anything wayne could have survived because he's far enough away but maybe 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 <laughs> and because he can heal himself that would be it those would be the only reasons but i i love i love that comparison that's great um but more importantly, perhaps, is the recognition in this moment that despite this superheroism that we're describing, that we've talked about a little bit before in this episode, that he really doesn't want this life anymore. Like, he's willing to do this as the job that it is, and he's treating it like the job to be Harmony's Sword to be this arm of God, basically, in these moments. But that in reality, what he wants is his normal life back and to fly, be flying his son around in these moments. It's just such a lovely character moment, especially, I mean, we've talked about kind of the bits and pieces, but this is him showing and exemplifying these this ability and these powers and capabilities and just being like this isn't me anymore i'm still good at this clearly i could be doing this but this isn't who i want to be and that's so good
1: yeah like you said we've we've talked about this and we've mm-hmm. we've hinted at it we've guessed it we've taken it as truth truly but mm. it's really nice to see it in such plain words in his own perspective um, that he's yeah. truly grown out of this life wholeheartedly. What I'm curious about now, assuming he makes it home after this inner monologue, does he still maintain that little ritual to lessie's jacket
0: and hat? I think he would. Yeah? I think so. Why, okay. why don't you think he would? Do you Because think I think this would? is
1: his like active realization that he's put that behind him.
0: But even if he's put it behind him, I I still feel like in the way that that was described, as it was more of a in homage, it was more of a like I remember that life and I know it and I see it and I acknowledge it. Not a not a like, do I still want that? Does that make yeah, sense?
1: He does explicitly say that it's not a ritual, but he's saying that to himself. It is,
0: yeah, it's he's saying it to himself. It's very clearly a ritual. <laughs> I totally totally agree with you there. That is the classic deny 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 strategy. Yeah so no.
1: i don't know i you might be right and i might be like reading into it too much but i'd be curious if if that
0: just falls off i would off. be curious too i i don't feel like it would because i think he's still acknowledge it's not like he's burying the past he's not like wayne you know he he acknowledges it in that no but way. he's letting it go i don't know that he's i don't okay or letting it be rather Letting it yeah, that's that's an important clarification, because I don't think he's he's letting it go. But I think letting it be, you can still acknowledge something, right? Yeah. Like Yes. Yeah, I don't I don't Yeah. Interesting though. Mm-hmm. Fair point. I like it. But the chapter ends then with him making his way around the truck to investigate. And we'll get back to that in a bit here, but you know. <laughs> this this week is particularly plagued by the way that this book is written because all of the interesting shit, like, it, it's so, the, each chapter is a cliffhanger. They're incredibly whip quick, but at the same time, like, we get more information later. So, like, we're hopping between perspectives again, just back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. So, yeah, kind of a victim, in a way, <laughs> to that <laughs> format this week. But It's true. You haven't had it
1: this bad so far. Like, this feels like no, the, the, yeah. the biggest offender of it. Not offender, but... And,
0: most of uh, i mean i think a offender checks out i i to me at the very least in the way that i think about this i i love i really enjoy this book i do kind of wish that we had enough time for one more weekly read episode because i think it would have broken up last week's episode and this week's episode a little bit just to leave on different cliffhangers it would have pushed a couple of other episodes around like a chapter or two as well but I don't think it would have made that big of a difference for most of them, but this week in particular, a lot of it is set up and then immediate resolution. Yeah. Um, a lot of this is very much we we see the pieces fall in the very beginning and then we see where they resolve at the end. So, or even this week and next week could have been two episodes. It could have worked out one way or the other, but we do have a bit of a timeline that we have to keep on on this one since we are. Again, making ourselves slightly beholden to a release date. Not nearly as intensely as the Lost Metal, but slightly. Right. So. Cool. All right. With that, we go to chapter 53. Our pair of Moonlight and are chase throughout the halls as if they're being chased by something out of a horror movie almost it's interesting too because they're kind of running through and sneaking around and they're also like people working in these labs but they also hear the snorting kind of in the background as though they're being persistently pursued while other members of the set are kind of working diligently in the rooms as they're wandering around and they're avoiding guards that are patrolling in different directions so it feels like they're sneaking around in a Metal Gear Solid context in a horror movie context to avoid all of these different groups. Moonlight manages to make a door where they can evade them, but it seems likely that they won't be able to evade them for very long as they do hear the sniffing from the other side and the, the monstrosities quickly find the door. And on the other side, they see a town through the window. How odd and strange this far underground of course, this yeah, they, is revealed, but like, fuck, I love it. Yeah,
1: this uh, this town reminded me oddly of the false towns created by North Korea. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that imagery comes to mind, but for some reason, that's what I'm like imagining. <laughs> okay, based on how it was described,
0: yeah. it I, it kind of gives that vibe because it does feel sort of artificial and especially the idea of this being underground is very very interesting right in this idea of this underground society we'll get more into that in a minute but the mm-hmm. the sort of uncanniness with which yeah it's very pristine. something like this yeah
1: and out of place
0: yes entirely entirely out of place um There is so much here that I really enjoy inside of this chapter, but again, this one and the next one really kind of just feed directly into each other. So Moonlight explains to Marcy that she can rewrite who she is with the one special soul stamp, that essence mark, and what that might do to her and how that could change her forever. They agree that the conditions are right, and Moonlight claims that this is something that she wanted to try out but never thought that she'd get to. And that's such an interesting bit of commentary as she's literally rewriting who she is in a massive way and all of her history the nation that she's from the place that she originates her parents her her everything to herself would you would you make of this decision to do that in the first place and the concept of what this is
1: i was so confused my first read through on this like mm-hmm. i remember okay. being very confused by this by the explanation the, the, sure. the first time Um. obviously like makes makes sense almost immediately after this but i I just remember being like what's going on here (laughs) like i was intrigued and excited about the prospect but i had no idea where she was going with this Mm -hmm. and what was actually going to happen
0: yeah but (laughs) it's that feels risky it is a little risky bisky i think it's uh It's a, it's a meaty, it's a meaty decision to say the least. And yeah, I don't, I don't even know where and how to approach this fully because of like how much of a decision it is inside of this chapter, right? We don't really see the impacts of it until the next one. So we'll, we'll just get there. I, I think that that makes sense. And then we can talk about kind of the, the ramifications of the changes. Mm-hmm. So Moonlight gives Mercy some incredibly precise numbers to remember, which is very important. And as we kind of understand going into the next section, the reason that these numbers are important is because... Aeons. Do you know why the numbers are important? Aeons, Yeah. A little bit of a laundry and magic in here.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure Which what is, you were
0: asking for. Sure, sure. Yeah, but it was just why why the precise location was yeah, important. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, I got that. I meant like what what route you wanted me to go with that. Like,
0: oh no, that was good. You you did it. Don't I worry figured, about it. I figured it out. <laughs> but, but she also explains. That other things could happen like her completely forgetting herself or why she's here to begin with or like what what does she need to do and she'll need to be reminded by Miracy and then she transforms. Yeah.
1: it's What?
0: <laughs> Boom shakalaka. You know, Boom shakalaka. That's the way that chapter ends which is just wild. Um mm-hmm. uh, we go into chapter 54, and we immediately move to the transformation. She draws in a full jar of door immediately, as opposed to feeding on it like Siljana did, or Twins, and begins glowing like a radiant being, becoming a full-blown, in everything but name. It's very obvious, of course, what she is if you've read laundress If you haven't, this is not... Very clear. But she becomes a full-blown Elantrian in the moment. And after a brief re-education from Merisi, Moonlight kneels down and begins drawing and using a map with a rune. And it seems to become clear at this point that perhaps she ended up becoming an Elantrian, and now she refers to herself as Shay-Eye. I say full-blown, and I I clarify those two, full-blown Elantrian as a magic user, but she actually is from Elantris in the way that she refers to herself and names herself. Not... And this is interesting because we didn't know, you don't know her name. (laughs) You didn't know her name. And so I, I don't know what to tell you. She even refers to Rin the Aeons and the like to make it very clear that we're talking about Elantris and to make her directly connected to the city of Elantris. What thoughts do you have on this ridiculous scene? Like ridiculously cool for the record, but
1: yeah, everything about this scene was amazing. Super, super, super cool, like you said. There is a note about the runes being drawn that Miracy sees. Like She, mm-hmm. she draws a rune, and she says it looks like the basin with a slash through it. hmm Instead of the sundered like landscape that, that's seen in the runes in Elantris. hmm How would she know to do that?
0: what do you mean she's she's informed that she needs to do that right oh is she I think let me let me do this real quick ghost her to fate almost immediately but she knelt on the ground began drawing with her finger she consulted the map which was left by moonlight on the ground before this and so she's drawing it and then yeah and gotcha. then she draws, so it's, it's the basin, there's no line through it, but then she draws the ruin at the center, right? Because all of the Aeons are effectively captured inside of the map or drawn with, in, in acknowledgement of the location in which they're in, which was a laundress for all of a laundress. So, right.
1: Okay. Now I understand. I, I had missed that.
0: Yeah. She consulted the map. Well, um, I mean, there's this wonderful point of like, would you know what the fuck was going on if you hadn't read a Elantris at all? Like, no. That's fair. This would, this would be uh, magic-y, hand-wavy. Yeah. I can't help but think- Soul Samps are so well explained in this book. I love it. This is not explained at all by comparison. <laughs> no, it's um, not. <laughs> thankfully, we don't see it used more than the one time on screen, but like- how is she going to survive that? Why would, you know, anyway, yeah, just anyway, wanted to yeah, 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 add yeah. that stoke of clarity.
1: I, I guess my biggest feeling on Shay I is that she seems very nice and benevolent and helpful and willing to, to be helpful, but she doesn't necessarily seem like somebody that will willingly just change back. Like, I feel like that's going to be a problem.
0: <laughs> so do you think that she's going to be trapped as an Elantrian? Like, she just is J.I. now.
1: It's a pretty dope existence for a while.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for Could a little be.
1: bit. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think they'll get her back. It's just a matter of who bonks her on the head with the stamp.
0: I mean, like... <coughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I Sure. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. yeah, it's just a matter of, like, return to Sender. Bonk with Stamp to return to Sender. That makes yeah. sense. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah. So, obviously, she's going full-blown Elantri and going just super, super powered mode. Basically, just went Super Saiyan in this moment, except for, like, gray-haired and... You know, I, I was shocked, honestly, that they didn't describe the hair change. That was the one thing that I was kind of looking for because one would have assumed that her hair would have changed. And that would have been obvious as well as a little bit of pallor in her skin that I kind of expected to be described. But instead, just the glow. And that's OK. Like even yeah. even I think Rayodin still looks pale compared to the way that he did before. It's not that he's fully dead or anything like that, but I think he's still right. Had a pallor after the Raya. Of- but yeah. OK, with that, she does she being Shea, soul stamps a door into the wall. Meracy, of course, is quickly pushed through. It, After and, duplicating Maracy. Oh yeah, like creating a, a visual clone. Yeah. Was Merisi. it just a visual clone? I it was not a physical clone. So she doesn't use the soul stamp to move through. She uses Aeon Tai A, yep. of which is used for translocating, and so she taps her and how I imagine this is a very... You've seen Doctor Strange. I can use this analogy for you. When, you know, the doctor gets his head hit out of him and he, like, the spirit body dislodges. I kind of imagined it like that, where there's a duplicate in one place and the other. And when she moves to the other, she's clear. Okay. But...
1: I understand now.
0: Yeah. That was kind of my my understanding of it, at the very least. Again, I don't think it's perfectly... Clear.
1: Well, I think that's probably intentional to a certain degree because this is describing Elantrian magic through the eyes of Merisi.
0: Absolutely. I just mean that I also don't think that it's perfectly depicted as far as an understanding of how exactly she went from A to B. That's really what I mean. Because I'm totally with you that like to Merisi this should appear like magic because she has no understanding functionally of how any of this works. At the very least with the soul stamps she could understand and like look for something. But here, she doesn't even know what to look for. And so we don't get an explanation. Usually, <laughs> genuinely, usually you only see that kind of stuff in like first person POV. You don't get such a limited. Like third person limited is actually absolutely a thing. That's what we're in for the story. Third person limited. But generally, third person limited isn't this harsh on some of those things. And this feels very harsh as far as perspective goes. Yeah. It's, in this moment.
1: It feels like it's getting a little bit stricter. I I don't I don't know if strict is the right term for it but these points of view are more and more inhabited by by the person. Like like Wayne's chapter yeah. is narrated in his accent to a certain degree. Like his his little like dangling or erased g's at the end of ing words.
0: I give credit to Jillian Redford. Yeah. fair. <laughs> That's where I stand on that, and I, I think that truly that's a big it's a big part of the reason too why this book feels like such a shift from the previous from the previous entries in the series. I think not just because of Jillian, as I've mentioned many times, but I I think that it does feel so much more much more of a limited perspective. Ultimately, I think it's a great move for Brandon going forward, and I hope that this is maintained more consistently through books. I think it is something that's existed in Stormlight for a while because that's a little bit more, but there's yeah, I don't know. Mm. I'm down. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah, sweet. At the same time, I'm very curious. We have a couple of, of listeners I know that have not read Elantris, and I'm very curious when they get here how they feel about this. Yeah, it'd be cool to so, get their take. Because and, and if you haven't read Elantris, feel free to definitely send that in because I would love to hear what your opinion is. Like, a, PJ hasn't read Story in Question, and so for Moonlight, so I would love to hear the take on the other side if you haven't read Elantris and how you feel about this bit. And on top of that, how you feel... Well, never mind. I'm going to shut up. Cool. All right. (laughs) With that, let's go into chapter 55. The conversation with autonomy that is had inside of this truck from the glowing red-eyed corpse through the bloodied member of the set is genuinely frightening in a way. This is for real this time autonomy, and We've never talked with her. We've never been there to chat with this. And this is the, this is like the first confrontation of a ruin all over again to some degree. But in almost a more, I want to say like venomous sort of language, she's a lot more hostile even than, I don't know. I I just get like dripping poison from from her voice and in the way that this is this is spoken what do you make of her conversation in general with wax and her commentary surrounding individualism by the way
1: yeah i feel like i might disagree with you a little bit i think you're right it is frightening but it is also illuminating to an extent it's confusing to another extent i suppose um she knows everything about him and Mm -hmm. has had ambitions to kill this world for years as she says. She knows his title as the sword of harmony. But she doesn't really seem motivated at all to stop him or his efforts. It this in in her eyes is a is a squabble. And no matter what, she's gonna win. It doesn't really matter what happens between Wax and Telson. Like who she doesn't give a shit. It, it it really it felt more like admiration and apathy at the same time than it did I can't remember the term you used.
0: Terror? Individualism? N- I compared her to ruin.
1: It, it wasn't antagonistic. But it was oh, something like venomous, like venomous. Like in her
0: But it, Okay. Alright. I, I understand I think I understand where you're coming from. Sorry, finish your
1: no 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 that, that was it yeah
0: okay i i definitely understand where you're coming from i still feel like that though ultimately amounts to venomous talk right because like she is indifferent to that response and as such she's like whatever dude like you're you're still screwed either way and that can be i i imagine the the primary villain of book five that's not a pov of dark age right And I have very similar moments as I imagine the dialogue between these two because she is anticipative of all of these things and she's like, regardless of whether or not you take care of the bomb, like I have an army coming. I don't give a shit. And she's there is a there's an element of indifference, but I think that indifference is still venomous. Like it's it's more of an adjective on how she's speaking, not in adjective that all of how she's acting if that makes okay. sense yeah. i think that she is indifferent I, i'm totally with you on that i just think that there's also sort of a venom to her language and the way that she approaches it all
1: i got that okay
0: does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you though. I, I think that you nailed it on the head as far as, uh, as far as her depiction goes, there's, there's, I mean, one of the most interesting things that she says is like, think what you wish, but you yourself know the strength, the capacity one has in those moments before death it is when the soul is pushed to the limit that true exceptionalism manifests. And so there must be consequence as final and terrible as death for failure. And I think at that point, she's talking about Telson and what if he stops her? It's like, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> basically like you fucked up (laughs) i don't need to i don't need to do anything and then she ends it with prove you deserve it and that's just such again i get to the venom right of like this final this final statement and that's one of those things that just stands out to me is this moment of like her looking up and being like prove you deserve it and i can just imagine that character that's saying that in the moment the dead corpse with the red glowing eyes just like ends with like a cocked smile on their lips and that is exactly how I imagine autonomy.
2: All
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. I could so see that.
0: Yeah. It's good. It's good. Any other thoughts on this section? I mean, obviously this is a petty squabble, but you know, uh, no, I think you- I,
1: I think I covered everything. <laughs>
0: Okay, I just didn't want to yeah. I wanted to make sure that, you know, yeah. obviously yeah. I cut you You're off good. and feel bad, but okay, cool. We find the notebook and the information on the bomb and why Bilming built the ships to begin with as a way of testing and launching distances with rockets, of course, instead of the sh- this truck. If the rockets aren't working, PJ, how do you think they plan to deliver the bomb? Do you think they got one to work? What's what's your thought?
1: I don't think they got one to work because if they had I think they would have launched it. Like, I, I don't, what are they, hold, what are they held up on if they got it to work? Mm-hmm. Um, my guess is that Admiral Dahl is an inside man for the set. And they plan to use his warship as a means of literally just dropping the bomb on the city. Hmm. Like that's not inspected as it comes in because why would it be? okay so chuck that thing up there and blow the place to, to shit
0: all right yeah makes sense to me yeah fair enough i'm making that a prediction for what it's worth i meant to to begin with like this should have yeah. been a predictive thought I but I, I feel like you also worded it like a prediction so yeah that sounds great to me my friend I also love that Wax pays the man for the log shine and for the damage done to his shop in general. He just gives him cash. It's not described how much money he gives him. He just gives him money. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> beer. I
1: think he gives him all the money for the shop, but you got there <laughs> and takes him and goes. It's not described.
0: I, I, I feel like you're correct. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to I want to definitely agree with you, I think, in, in concept. That log shine? Yeah, so I, I think it's a I think it's a really great moment where he pays the man for for the shop when it assumes, and it's like, well, I just gave you what I would assume is too much money. I would assume that Wax gave him too much money to repair the shop. He probably just has so much on him because he's just extremely wealthy. And then it's like, can I have that? And the shopkeeper's like, yeah, you can. <laughs> that's, that's sort to be four clips. <laughs> That would be funnier. And it's like, can you take it out of that? <laughs> it's like, no, you just gave this to me.
1: No, this is mine.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm not in the I'm business of handouts, Crossland. I'm imagining like a more asshole-ish version of Wax for just a brief second, but like a vindictive character in Wax's shoes in this moment, like an antihero hero of sorts, would use his capability to push the caps off of his mini bottles, like one at a time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he'd, he'd have all... The- <laughs> Just start pushing him.
2: <laughs> so
0: funny. Just start wrecking the store slowly dink. by flicking the caps ding, ding, ding until he recognizes what's going on. Oh, man, that'd be so cool. God,
1: that's got to be possible, right? It's got to be possible entirely. Oh, that'd be the so bottles cool. Bottles would jangle
0: too in a, in a 12 pack or, a, yeah, yeah, exactly. That'd be such a cool idea. Anyway, he gets the long shine from this man, however, he does and then hops back to Wayne. And this is a really sweet moment where they get to share this rare of beer together and take a little break, like they had mentioned taking earlier, but for this time, maybe a little bit of a longer one. And a break for the week for us. This is the last of the chapters that we see them this week. What do you, what do you think of this moment? Obviously, they're sharing a beer, so cheers for the cheers. wholesome bit. Sometimes,
1: Crossland, all you need is a cold, familiar beer with a friend. Oh. And that just makes everything better. That's the Uh, basis of our show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A little bit. Pretty much. Until you forget to buy beer.
0: This is true. I did take a swig of whiskey. So here we are. But I mean,
1: beyond that, it's not just like sharing a beer with somebody, but the nostalgia associated with your go-to beer that you've had for years and then coming back to it years later like like if you and I were to sit down and have like a two-hearted or a furious or something
0: right yeah I truly in my head after re-listening to this this morning I desperately wanted to make it to a a place that i could buy beer i don't have to go to a liquor store i could go to the fucking gas station anyway i wanted to go to a place where i could buy beer and get a two heart like find two hearted and then be like pj go get a two hearted and then like pop that and have that be the thing because that's well distributed but yeah needless i did not have time shucks but Exactly, I'm totally with you on that. Just the sort of that sense of nostalgia and familiarity and just sort of the, the nice like little cheers moment between the two of them, even if it's only, I think it's like maybe a page and a half, the whole thing. And it's just, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It's God. And like the the end of it being like them agreeing on just taking a little bit of time to like chill and... Does that sound good? That sounds rusting. Amazing. he? He's sitting here with this beer with his buddy being like, just take a second. And that's, that's sweet. I love it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: We could do two hearted next cool. week.
0: We could do two hearted next week or maybe on the wrap up as like a wax and wane moment. We'll, we'll pair our drinks for the wrap up. Yeah. Um, And we are having a, I think we're going to do two. I think we'll do a full series wrap up and then we'll do a, we'll do a book wrap up and a full series wrap up. I think, I think I want to, that makes sense. One with a guest and one without just going to chat about it. So we'll see how exactly that ends up, but all right, with that chapter 56. Oh, man, is this chapter fun to me. We move back to Marisy and she's been caught up in the community itself and finds herself rescued by a couple of folks who give us a ton of background on what exactly the set has been doing here. They've absolutely convinced these folks that they were saved from the surface where the ash mounts have begun again. No doubt using clever, the clever depiction that we saw earlier to manipulate these poor folks, as well as the metal beasts that we learned of later. Like all of it is just utilized against them in kind of the worst and craziest kind of ways. What do you what do you think of this? Oh my
1: god. Yeah. The they've been given all the information that they need to be unbudging in their brainwashing. (laughs) Like it is so deeply rooted. It's really frustrating. It's kind of fun. I'll give you that. But it's deeply frustrating.
0: (laughs) It is deeply frustrating. I, I think that the, the entirety of these two chapters is so hard to listen to. I remember when I first heard this section, actually, it stands out to me in my memory. So we had just left Salt Lake city, right from being at the convention and I'd gone to text to visit my family and they've got a decent amount of land. The guest, the the places where guests stay is like maybe two blocks away from where they stay. And so I was walking between the two on this gravel path and I heard this story in like the beginning of this chapter, one of the nights that I was walking back at like 10 and I had been sick and I was like, Jesus Christ, these people, I want them to all die. (laughs) And at the same time I was like, no, you shouldn't want that crossland because they were abducted. (laughs) You just want them to listen. That's what you want. You want them to listen. (laughs) You don't want them to die. (laughs) <laughs> and I remember I put the book down for a full day after this chapter, and I'd been pretty much just devouring it. I partially will blame sickness, but I do remember, in particular, this being just a very strong reaction overall.
1: Yeah. it It's strong. For sure.
0: Oh mm-hmm. Man. I didn't realize that that would be so bad to, like, read as a reader until now. And it is. It's awful. You feel real bad Mm -hmm. versus like the 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 counter side of this is like seeing someone who's submerged in a culture like this break out as like your protagonist in a story far more interesting seeing the culture from the outside with someone of whom has the correct lenses on oh god it's so hard to look at a cult and be like how don't you realize you're in a cult now
1: maybe (laughs) maybe they're right and mercy is ash sick
0: sick and crazy (laughs) Wouldn't that be a turn? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it cannot be. It cannot be a turn. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I totally get it. I just... Oh, brutal, brutal. But before that we also learned that, of course, this entire underground city is devoid of any metal, and just, oh man, this whole set of scenes just oozes with that manipulation. What do you make of their talks of the mental the metal mutants let loose or their resentment of introe?
1: Ah, oh, man, it's it's tough to see all of this. The metal mutants. That's the, the abominations, right? That we're chasing yeah. them? Yeah. Okay. Right. That's got to be a fucking terrifying thing to see as a captive, peaceful city-going person. Brainwashed to shit and assuming that the world has come to an end. Like, to get, like, a weird lizard-dog hybrid thing... Uh mm-hmm. no. No, I will not do that. I do not want <laughs> that in my life anymore. Uh <laughs> I don't remember exactly what they said about Introne like particularly.
0: It's it's really just that they're so upset at Introne, right? Like that's the big breaking point for them is that they're angry at Introne and I would be sort of like they're they're considering a rebellion right they think that he's a not that they believe that anything that he's saying is wrong from the way that the surface is going but they believe him to be a tyrant for a variety of reasons (sighs) he's not wrong he's just a dick right I mean he is kind of a tyrant and also a dick (laughs) (laughs) and he's lying to them yeah absolutely (laughs) I mean uh,
1: they're right Mm yeah totally Oh man, I I definitely, before we get too far away from it, I know I I brought up the sort of North Korea fake city thing, but um, being in the midst of it, it almost feels like a vault city in Fallout, but nothing actually happened up top.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. It totally feels like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one would imagine... That there was probably like thinking about fallout, right? Like the general concept of fallout, people being stored underground to survive a nuclear apocalypse as a place to escape that that fate. But then also simultaneously having each of those be like sectioned off experiments to see how everyone reacts to different conditions as they're cordoned off. You have to imagine that there was one group that was full that was in in the same sort of scenario where they were put in despite there not being an apocalypse mm. early you know like I imagine that there's one test group out here out there that mirrors this in the universe yeah yeah and then maybe they were released to a real apocalypse after like the test time was up or something like that which would be so funny <laughs> I'd be fucked yeah, wouldn't it? It would be really messy. I would love it. Yeah, for sure. Ah, oh, yeah. Okay. So Mercy, of course, connects the dots as she stares at this blonde woman of whom is here in the group and she recognizes Armel Harms, of whom is her cousin, kidnapped by the Vanishers and Miles Hundred Lives. All those books I mean years ago. <laughs> what do you what do you make of this revelation of family?
1: He didn't forget about them. <laughs>
0: they're still here they're still relevant you you did have those big statements about them being forgotten so it's kind (laughs) of it is fun it is funny that it is they're still here pj they never went away they went somewhere yeah sure okay they did go somewhere i guess forgotten i guess man you were so on it for a while like thinking that they were and that i was like i know that they're coming they gotta be they gotta be coming and then when i was finally able to read the book you know to to get that context i was like of course naturally they had to be resolved it would have mm. been so weird it would have felt bad if they were just a footnote somewhere you know like yeah i agree that wouldn't have been, been satisfying at all yeah right yeah so With that, we get into our final chapter of the week, which is, again, the same merisy perspective and just a little bit more in the meat. So we go into chapter 57. And this revelation is really complex and weighs heavily on merisy. As our books long plot comes to an end, understanding that this community is that project that had been proposed all the way back by Ed Warren, actually manifest, but underground. Wow. I mean, it's a it's a whole thing. And it is an underground eugenics experiment, just as we had guessed, but not quite in the same ways. I know that we had made big kind of commentary about things. I just don't feel like it, like both of our predictions, because truly, I didn't know the way that the story ended. We're off a little bit, I think, over Versus kind of what we actually have here. What do you think? What, what do you make of the, the whole sort of yeah. presentation of this?
1: It, they were a little off, but I, I feel like the biggest thing that we assumed and Wax assumed and Marisi assumed was that this was some sort of allomantic breeding program. And that's not entirely untrue. Like that's absolutely a facet of this. It's just a mm-hmm. lot more complex and fucked than that, because um, it, it it's paired with this potential farming of spikes without killing people. Because mm-hmm. it's it, they make commentary about how you get better results based on like genetic likelihood that you'll have in elementic ability not whether or not you actually do. Yeah, they're just there there's a whole lot that this community can produce for the set including people and spikes basically. Yeah, it makes for a really kind of horrifying understanding.
0: Yeah, it it does. It's you, you know, the one the one thing that I was always thinking of like the word the context of the word breeding to me is always what gets me in this is that like breeding has this particularly like forced concept, if that makes sense. Not to say that it's not inside of this community to some degree, of course, even like cordoning them off. But breeding just means something a little bit different than what we actually got as a result. That was kind right. of my qualm with our prediction or, and, and Wax and Wayne and Marisey's kind of thoughts. Yeah. Is that yeah. It gives it a much harder, not that that's not actually what's happening, but
1: yeah, um, the the term definitely has a connotation.
0: Yeah, it evokes something very different. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But yeah, you're you're totally correct. It, this is there is this whole kind of really farming humans thing here that is a a real deal. That's mm-hmm. a that's a serious fucking problem. I mean, that's a and, Dracula move right there. That is a Dracula move right there. That is absolutely not only is that a Dracula Castlevania move, but that is also a Dracula Dracula move in all ways. So it's it's interesting to see this side of the plan play out for everyone involved and uh, to see this side of this scheme finally be resolved in this way. Books long payoff, and I'm I'm glad that it was and that it feels so satisfactory at this point. These people, though, man, I, I know that we already talked about this, but it's hard to listen to Marcy talk to these people in the back half of this. We it hurts because obviously we know that they're wrong. And yet, just like Marcy, I feel compelled like to help them. Like, I feel the desire that they need to be helped and someone has to do it. Someone needs to slap them to wake them up. Not only that, but of course, when Entrone comes on over the loudspeaker announcing that there is someone with ash sickness among among them. There's a big question mark about what they're going to do, and the fact that they do the right thing and hide her, I think is just an excellent, excellent note. I was genuinely surprised that they did. Yeah. I expected opposition,
1: and and like I at least expected somebody to speak up and out and against that decision, but they all kind of seemed to work together.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. At the very least, they are all in agreement. It's kind of like this micro council of people of whom are kind of planning a rebellion, it seems like, Mm -hmm. underneath the guys. So, like, even the stability of this Kordondorf community is definitely called into question in the long term. So, it seems like they would have found out sooner than later. Obviously, we know as well that the metal mutants are used against them, and those are the four-legged hybrids and the hemorrhagic constructs that we've seen before used against both Wax and now Merisi and Moonlight at this point. So. Lizard, yeah the the dog thing, kind of human lizard dog with the shoulder spikes, yeah.
1: <clears throat> <Blur. laughs> I don't know if they're fur or
0: what, but I in, my, skin, in my head I don't, they're like lizard dogs. Oh man, I assume it's stretched skin in the same way that koalas mm. are. I don't think it's scaly. I think it's just gross, mm. pallid pallor. Shit, yum, indeed. Maracy decides, of course, to not live in hiding. She can't, and Armal has a life on the topside that she thought was gone, but wants it back now that she's aware. She believes Maracy to some extent. The tiniest extent of the belief that her family is there is enough to push her over this edge. It seems like she might be able to do it. And then the chapter ends, talking to all of these metalborn, hearing a clink in Maracy's bag. Wait, what's up? What do you think? <sighs> oh we yeah.
1: So, this is going to stir some problems for one of several reasons. A couple off the top of my head. One is that her gun is in this bag. So, Mm -hmm. it's clinking against something and that's an audible clue that she has some metal in there. Or Mm -hmm. it's like her metal vials clinking together and people are going to immediately recognize it. Because that's a fairly common thing among among these people who all came from families that were allomantically inclined or it's going to attract the the construct those are those are my question marks
0: okay all right cool yeah interesting great questions to ask i think and i think it's a great place to end it on i mean there there is kind of massive questions on which of the two things it is clink it's
1: more like glass on glass so i'm
0: guessing it's the 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 metal vials yeah i think i'd agree with you there is that possibility so we'll see yeah we'll see we got another week so um, another week Another two weeks of this book, rather. But we've got another week of reading at the very least. Two, if you think of everything. So, next week, we continue The Lost Metal, reading chapters 58 through 66. Who wrote that book? Go ahead. By Brandon Sanderson. We never put the author in this title, <laughs> you motherfucker. Again, chapters 58 through 66, a shorter week than many of the previous weeks that we've had. Actually, rather, the next two weeks are significantly shorter page count-wise than the last couple of episodes, but that's to break things up and give it good space to kind of resolve everything. So, Yeah,
1: things start to happen really quickly in these books, typically. It's true,
0: it's true tend to what's what's it called when like snow rolls downhill really quickly after sometimes like a shock snowball wave fight. is there a snowball fight i don't think that's it but a brander close? ball fight a brander ball fight that's what it is it's a brander mm-hmm. ball fight yeah. so uh, the brander ball fight starts next week clearly with the way that things are going so <laughs> <laughs> again 58 through 66 for the beginning of the brander ball fight as it were so that's where we'll leave you for this week
1: Thank you as ever to our producers, Tim and Andrew, for helping us keep our show's lights on. Also, you can check out our show, or out, yeah, you you can (laughs) check out all of our links in the show notes where you can find our schedule, our Patreon, our previous episodes, our websites, our social media accounts, all in one very nice, easy, wonderful, sexy location.
0: We also want to take a second today to thank our new barbacks, Cypress. Thank you for joining us on the Patreon. We really appreciate your support. We hope that you enjoy your devil's cuts, as well as joining the Discord community and hanging out with us there. We're having a great time enjoying your, re- your first, I'm enjoying your first time read-along of, of the first law so far, so thanks for hopping right in there. Really yeah. appreciate it. Excited to have you.
1: Diving in on the, on the community. It's been great. So, yeah. And we've, we've- as PJ interacted before so it's it's great to continue this this little friendship
0: we've both called out cypress and thanked cypress <laughs> many times for <laughs> questions over the course of the show yes, so absolutely uh, we appreciate you endlessly but regardless you can find us pj had mentioned all of these different places if for some reason you can't find us in the show notes you can always find us at words whiskey pod on twitter instagram and reddit so long as those places continue to exist you can send us an email at words and whiskey show at gmail.com you can reach out to us and join along with Cypress and many others over the last month patreon.com forward slash words and whiskey and you can also find our t-shirts on TeePublic for now. Get those before they disappear. Did you hear
1: him correctly on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit for, for forever. As long as those websites exist, Crossland will, even as a ghosty
0: hang out on there. I said you can find us there. That does not mean that I'm hanging out there. We exist on said out. platforms. I don't know that it does. Oh, you did say us shit I'm implicated I did <laughs> <laughs> All right. um, yeah well thank
1: you everybody for your support it really it really is great and it is the motivation that keeps us doing this show
0: yes we love you dearly we'll see you next week goodbye goodbye <laughs>